This is a special that we're doing today because, I mean, not that we really needed a, a reason, but uh, John Syracuse couldn't do hypercritical this week, and he only he only told me 30, 40 seconds before the show was set to start. So I, in a panic, I contacted the only two people that I know, which is Marco and Merlin. Marco Arment, Merlin Mann, should be formal about it. And, uh, and I said, guys, can you do a show? And they said, well, it's not like we're doing anything. So we're doing a show. We're doing a show. We're pinch hitting for John Syracuse of Hypercritical because we wanted to do something special. And this is just as good of a reason as any as I could think of to do, to bring, to bring the two of you together in this forum, in this stage, this global, global theater. Am I the only person here who doesn't have a soda stream? No, I don't have one. You seem to know a lot about them. Well, John and Merlin have been telling me about them for a while, and I'm, I just haven't been able to get one. Because yeah. here I am drinking a, a bottled seltzer, and I feel like a chump. You're, you're a chump. I, I mean, I'd like, once you get on I'm, it... I'm drinking the stupid Seagram seltzer water, which has a new label designed to make it look old, even though it's in a obviously new plastic bottle here. It's like, I, it's like just, Spider-Man buying his webs at Albertsons. It's just, once you yeah. move to the real stuff, you're never going to look back. So I should do that? I don't know. I, we've tried to help Dan with this. Everybody's been trying to help Dan with this, and he's very resistant. We've well, made I, very they, clear. they look cheap. They look like they're made. And then John Gruber's just broke. So it's not like it's... It, it seems like these things aren't made well. I'm going to tell you what my ex-wife used to tell me. Uh, <laughs> I, I, want to be, I, I want to help you, but I, I'm not sure that you can be helped. Hmm. I'm I getting one. So I'm going to get one, but now I don't know. Do I get the one that looks like a penguin? No. No. I mean, Marco, do you, do you enjoy, can I just say, you have a lady in your house that's in a situation, yes. right? Yep. <laughs> this, is, this is our family. She's in a family too. way. <laughs> that's a good way to put it. <laughs> Suddenly I'm Victorian. Right. <laughs> I understand you've established a beachhead in your lady. <laughs> Kudos to a new Freemason. Uh... <laughs> This is our family's go-to present for every pregnant lady. And don't ask me why. I don't know if it's... I'm, I don't mean to be cresking here, but I'm, does, your, does, your, uh, does your lady like fizzy water right now a lot? A lot, of, a lot of pregnant ladies like fizzy water. That's all I'm saying. Actually, no. She doesn't really like fizzy liquids at all. This is going to be purely for me in all likelihood. Okay. So, mm. which just... I don't... I hate choice so much. Choice is terrible. I don't want this to be a Syracuse toaster situation. Can you just... <laughs> let's just put in the show notes... The link to the one that I should definitely get. That's I don't, right. No other I'm not, ones. I'm never going to make flavors. I'm only going to make plain bubbly water. Same. Just the one. That's it. Amazon link. That's all I need. I, I'm happy to help. I, Marco, I think you can be helped. I think if Dan really wants to get... I will get, get the out, same uh, one that Marco gets. Okay. There well, you, you know go. what you could do? You could get different ones and then uh, write about them. But the one I'm very... I'm sorry. You can only hear the siren when I'm talking to people I love. I, uh, the one that we got, we were extremely happy with. It is the one that Jonathan Colton told me about a very long time ago, and it's changed my life. I own two of them. I have one at home, and I have one here in my private office. Uh, and if there's the anybody that, I would trust with the opinion on seltzer machines for home use, it would be Jonathan Colton. You should talk to... I mean, here's the thing. There's two kinds of people in the world. Maybe, I don't know, maybe 11. But, but, but the, uh, there's the people who are living a lie. And then there's the evangelists for the soda stream. It's, it changes everything. It's like, it's like group said on uh, TTS yesterday. Like, and, and we had some text back and forth about this. It ter- turns out I actually do carbonate more. I have been warned that I have reached dangerous levels. I may be violating the EULA by how much I carbonate. I, car- I carbonate until it farts three times, which is way beyond the pale. I go through a 30 liter one of those in four days, which is ridiculous. Now, here's what you get. You get the one that we'll link to. 
And it's this regular, normal startup one. It's not chrome, Dan. It's modern plastic. Modern plastic, plastic that looks like chrome? Yeah, and, and it looks very... It looks like the piece that if you were to get a down-market vehicle, the whole dashboard would be covered with this thing. It does. Okay. It does look a lot like a rental car. <laughs> like they, they did ran out of the standard size, so they have the small size. And this is what you get. But none of them, by the way, are, are available, available, if I could speak. None of them are, are available for Amazon Prime, it seems. None of is this them. The, is this the show or not the show? Yeah, oh. we started the show. That's special. Uh, okay. We're not going to talk about fonts, right? Not again. No. I feel bad. I feel really bad about the font. Thing. We should just cut, because everything I hear is, it, but what it was, it was like the test. It's like we did something that was intentionally bad just to keep the, just no, the good people it's, around. It's, 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 there are people who enjoy that. Yeah. The, 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 you know what? I think people would be happy if we just cut everything out. That's the show they would enjoy. <laughs> so, um, Marco, here's my advice. This is the advice I gave to Dan. Right. I know, like, like John Syracuse, and how great is it we're on John's show? It's just too bad John's not here, right? Yeah, and he won't let us, by the way, he won't let the, us call it hypercritical, and he won't let us release it on the hypercritical stream. So I'm going to do a special hypercritical, which all it says is the people should come here and listen to this. And are we allowed to use William's earlier suggestion name of kind of critical? Kind of critical for the title. I think if nothing else, if nothing else better comes out, absolutely. Hypo, hypocritical. Uh, <laughs> but here's what I said to Dan Ruth. And this is what I, I say to you, Marco, is that uh, because I know you're a man, I, uh, I couldn't sleep last night. And uh, I, I listened to The Nest. I'm just going to call it The Nest episode. <laughs> that had to have helped. <laughs> I started too late and then I had to go back to, to get all the context for it. But it seems to me that, um, first of all, I, 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 I never want to displease you with a product. I just never. Um, but what I would do is I would go, you know me, I love, I love Retail America. I have so much respect for Retail America. I don't want to abuse Retail America. But you remember when we got the thing for uh, JSER? I would go there. I would go to like a Bloomies. Absolutely. Little Bloomies. Oh, greatest day of my life. But I would go and actually look at these <laughs> in the flesh. And there'll probably be some extremely perky lady in her late 30s there testing it out and showing you how great it is. Yeah, I'm making that up, right? And you go and look at them. You go and look. And you can see the one that looks like a rental car. You see the one that looks like a penguin. Now, some of them will take the large carbonators and some will not. But you have do to I, use Do your, I want that? Oh, you, buddy, you want the big one. You want the biggest one they got. They can make a bigger one, you buy a new one. You're <laughs> not going right. to get enough. You see, you're sitting around now and you're going... It's like you guys in your fancy cars where you're like, oh, you know, should I have gotten the leather interior? Now you can't get enough leather, right? Same thing here. You're going to be carbonating the living bejesus out of everything. So I'm very happy with the, the, the silly looking one. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, you should do what, what, what comports with your taste. It's, it's very easy to manage. It's very maintainable. It, it is, if you don't overcarbonate, it's very cost uh, effective. Um, yeah, I... I I, I, yeah, I would be happy to tell you what I've got. I'm sorry, I'm talking too much already. I apologize. It's, it's a no-brainer. It's a no-brainer. What do, you, what do you say to somebody? It's like, it's like somebody saying, like, you know, should I get this thing removed from my face? And you're like, well, why are we still debating this? Now, flavors. I would say the flavors are a little bit oversold. There are people who like the flavors. I think it's a little goofy. But yeah, that, I'm not going to do that. Yeah. So here's what I see on Amazon right now. I see one thing that's called the Soda Stream Jet Starter Kit. It's 87 bucks. Uh I don't know. We put that in the robot. Yeah, I'll put it in there. Wait, in the robot to you when you say that, that means the Skype chat, right? Put it in the Skype. Whatever has a definite article where I can click on the link, put it there. All right, there's one, and I'm going to send this. I'm going to send this to Marco too. Wait, I I suppose I could set it in the chat room because Marco's usually in there. So this is the first one: Soda Stream Jet Starter Kit. Then there's a Soda Stream Jet Black Sparkling Water and Soda Maker, which looks like exactly the same thing for more money. Then there's another one: Soda Stream Pure Starter Kit. 
this is just great. This is insanity. Why are there so many versions of this, uh, the same thing? Would it be appropriate to, to, to quote John Syracuse on the show that's not hypercritical? Would that be appropriate? Yes. Worse and more diverse. That's the thing. I mean, it's like the Crocs people, you know? The problem with Crocs is they had this, they had, they had the ultimate kind of troubling product, which was that, first of all, it's heinous. Second of all, it's, it's, it's relatively easy to duplicate. And then the reaction was to make it more diverse. Now, in this case, they got lightning in a bottle, so to speak, with the soda streams. But I think they want to make it look fashionable. I think they sell these in fancy stores. You know what I'm saying? And so they want something where people come in there and go, well, that's, I'll, I'll buy that for my niece for her dorm room. Right. I think the starter kit is fine. If you end up liking it, what are the other options, though? You got the penguin. What are the other options for the actual charger thing? I'm looking. I don't know how you have that penguin in your house. Jeez. How, how would you let your kid look at that? And the so class you have bottles? that one, you have the penguin. And John, now John Gruber said he had the penguin and it broke. I, I have used a soda stream for probably three or four years, and his description of how he broke it I can only assume, I'm, I, don't put this on the air, but clearly he was drunk. There's no way you could do what he did with that unless, unless he was literally throwing it across the room or launching it from some kind of a small suburban cannon. It doesn't make any sense. That, thing, it's, that thing's solid. Now, that thing can unscrew. The charger, I'm going to call it the charger bore. The charger bore can unscrew a little bit and make you lose your seal. But what he's doing is, is goofy. That's like closing your kid in a car door. It just doesn't happen. And then there's this other one. Marco, have you gone and seen these? Uh, you know, I got to tell you, no, the, not the, at pure, all. the Pure is very pretty. It looks a okay, lot better. So like yeah, it looks, I see it on Amazon here. It does look a lot better than the, the Jet. Which, is the Jet the penguin one? It looks like a penguin. I don't um, know if it's intentional or not. Yeah. That's the, no, wait, the penguin, there's a pen, Oh, gosh. This is gonna, we're going to kill with this one. I've got the one that comes up first. What do you think about monospace so, fonts? I'm so sorry. <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> oh, my God. This must be what it's like for you and fit with fish. But see, I want to really talk about it. What do you use? What do you use for fun? I use Monaco. Um, I think eleven. Let me check. I it's like whatever is like normal. <laughs> you know what we need, Dan? Can we bring in Markdown Buddhism and Paleo? Yeah, that would really yeah, round can we it add out. That? Maybe so I think I think I'll, what I'll you're saying is at the end. here's what you're saying is this Soda Stream Jet Starter Kit. That's the one you're saying. 80, 88 bucks basically. Monaco you, ten. That's what I'm doing. You are a young, young man. You just wait. <laughs> Could you imagine Dan? looking at Monaco 10 for more than imagine. 15 seconds? Especially with a kid. Think what that's going to be like oh, for him. My God. It's going to be so funny. I'm up to like 18 points. Switch to a minivan. It's going hmm. to, to be so much, yelling, so much yelling in your house. You're going to want a much, much bigger font. <laughs> it's going to be deafening. You're not going to get time to, to, to have, uh, have a number two. You're going to have one of a very, very, very large font, Marco. Anyway, enjoy great. it. You have four <laughs> zones in your house. Isn't that God, weird? This is so exci- I'm sorry. I can't shut up. I'm so excited to talk to you guys. So, I, have, I have literally a list of questions here. That it I didn't occur ask. to me until after the show when I li- was li- I'm like, wait a minute, four zones. Does that yeah, mean it's, four it's, separate, it's, four separate AC units? No, there's actually, well, um, wait. Yes, actually. Four separate things outside the house, cooling and warm and heating. Um, that seems like a lot. Three. Um, uh, there's three ACs. Nope, there's four. You're right. Are you looking at the web to yeah, see that? It's a big house. It, it's just it's been added onto a lot, and we have like uh, it would like it was easier to add the AC unit if um, like central air was added pretty late. It was only added like five years ago, so it was easier to do like a top half and a bottom half. 
And then like these two rooms didn't quite get it. So they have like this little wall unit in one and then we just put one in the other one. Mm. So it's, it's kind of a crazy house. How do, I, how do I know I questions about the nest? Merlin, how do before, let's wait a minute. We got to finish this water thing. How, this water thing. How do we know if the soda stream jet starter kit has the, takes the big canister or the small one? Oh, it does, buddy. I got it right here. That's it the takes the big one? So I texted you the photo yesterday. That's that one. That's the one I got. All right. I'll tell you what, Marco, buy yours now. I'm going to buy mine now because as soon as we link this, they'll go out of stock. This is the soda stream pure starter kit for 129 in black silver. Oh, I don't know if it's the pure. Is he saying the pure? Is he saying the... I'm looking at the SodaStream Fountain Jet Soda Maker Starter Kit, which I think might be a... Oh, I uh, see that. Oh, that's one below it. That's 87 bucks. 87 85 Kind of looks yeah. like a penguin. That's oh, the Jesus. one to get? No, no. <laughs> that's the SodaStream Penguin Earth-Friendly Glass Carafe Soda Maker you're looking at, I think. No, well, it, it kind of just stylistically looks like a penguin. It's The big Amazon number ends in 6CS. No, there's actually, dude, there's one that looks like a, a, an actual penguin. This is why I had to ask you guys this. This is, a, this is why this I haven't really bought confusing. one yet. This, yeah. uh, this if, is exactly why I haven't more, bought one yet. Yeah, if they had like a more Apple-like uh, you know, product line, it'd be a lot easier. But no, now we have no, to have... It's, it's, it's totally true. Day. And their site, their site can be this. very confusing. I have found, I have not done serious diagnostics on this, but in my basic modeling... I. I Especially for Dan, who lives in that tax haven of Texas, it, it is cheaper to just buy the, they're called carbonators, to just go to like William Sonoma and pick those up. Turns out, because uh, when you pay for all the shipping and everything, it gets kind of costly. Because it is, here's the thing, bottom line, guys, you got water and you got carbon dioxide. And you want to get the carbon dioxide into the water and that makes it fizzy. So it's purely, in my opinion, it's purely uh, a matter of uh, taste for what you want it to look like. And I would just say, I don't know if they all take the big carbonator, but you will be having fewer trips if you get as into this as I did, if you get the big ones. That's all. So is, so is it this 8785 yep. one? Is that the right the one? one? You put it, the one you put in the robot is all the right. one I... I'm buying it now. So we can just put, put a nail in this thing. You know, I should get all uh, Dan Ruth on this and get a code for the SodaStream site. I, I sold a lot of these things. Now, is this I, something I, I want to subscribe to? Do I want them to send me a new one of these every month? No, I'm saying go get go get in your in your costly car and drive over to the mall uh, across the street from your house and go pick up. They don't have malls in Texas. I haven't been to a mall, and I don't know. I suppose they do. I'm not going there. Oh, they're Ooh. awful. All right, orders placed. Now I can link it. Well, I'm wait, I haven't like, placed mine yeah. yet. I'm so confused so which one. <laughs> okay, so did, did you send it to him and the robot too? Dan? Yeah, get yeah. The one I sent you a picture of. That's the one you want. Yeah, yeah, get. pictured one. That okay, one. Get it that. does see that does kind of look like a penguin to me. Okay, well, hold on. I'll send you the link to the actual one that is a penguin. Maybe a puffin. No, no, no. Don't confuse me. I'm just going to order this one. That's okay, it. order that one and then click the link that I just sent you. Okay, let me order this first. And this one is actually called a penguin, but don't get that one. Can you cut uh, all this out? Yeah, this is all. Oh, I yeah, edited it out. We don't want to okay. keep any of this. In. I wish my keyboard was as loud as yours, Merlin. I, I try so-, so hard not to type, you guys. I'm trying. Listen, here's me closing window. You ready? That's closing That's window. That's pretty good. Not bad. This could be the morning zoo show right here. I think you just accidentally created the show. <laughs> right. This is episode one of the morning zoo. You guys think I'm joking. I, I literally have nothing better to do every morning. I, I would do that. No, I would totally I, do the morning zoo. People would listen to it for two days. I was awake in the morning, I'd do it. What time you get up, Marco? Um, well, when there's people sawing wood in half, like six feet away from my head. Um, is that a euphemism? About, about yeah, is that a euphemism no, for no. your wife snoring? <laughs> wow. Okay. Uh, no. <laughs> She's actually she's actually a, a Fleischer Brothers cartoon character. <laughs> <laughs>
This is gold. Yeah. No editing. I don't know why John wouldn't let us just call this hypercritical. I don't know why. This is so much like that show. This is follow up. This is follow up. The whole show is follow up. Are we going to have music? Oh. Yeah, we need something. Like, so, you know, could it be something kind of vaguely classical esque, but that's. That's you know audibly different in, in style yes. in some way. Yes. Can I make a, can I make a Maybe suggestion? Maybe like classical techno. Go ahead, caller. Um, I'm oh, sorry. Uh, first time, Miko. I, I know you don't like doing copyright things, but I would say the Star Wars uh, Miko seven inch would be good, or possibly something by Wendy Walter Carlos that involves sounding like it's in space. Wendy Walter Carlos. I think you're Walter Wendell. Well, no, I think you're thinking of uh, William Carlos Williams. You're thinking of Earth, now, Wind, and Fire. Oh, I think you're thinking of uh, Easy Lover by uh, Phil Collins, who was not Paul Collins from the <laughs> Beat. Don't get it red, though, please. You're not, you guys didn't accidentally buy it in red, right? No. No, I, I, get, I get the black and white. Black and silver. If I went to somebody's house and I saw link. that red one, I, I turn around and walk straight out. Oh, so that not... does look like a penguin. All right. So the other one, that yeah, that, there is definitely a penguin earth-friendly glass carafe one. Yeah. Um, the can, you, the you you have to does this come with everything I need when this thing shows ah. up? What do I need? It's just all, then, all, all there, right? And this is like you trying to explain rails to me. You know, it's like... I, I, well, I put, I, listen, I put the link in the show notes. So people who want to hear this, they can go to 5x5.tv slash special slash four. You can always do all four. this later. You can learn trough later. Here's the thing. Here's your C, this, is, this is CD. Okay, CD is get this and make seltzer. You can, you can do more later. You've made a great investment here. You're going to be very... Now, what about your lady? Does she like, uh, as my daughter calls it, fuzzy water? Does she like fuzzy water, Dan? Oh yeah, my wife. Oh yeah, we go through like three or four. We we now getting the uh, the Whole Foods brand one, which is actually good and and it's less expensive than Perrier. But <laughs> you buy <laughs> you buy Whole Foods carbonated water. Yeah, it's like a buck a bottle. Is it paleo? Of course. Okay. That sounds terrible. It's it's fine. It's cheaper it, than that in New York. And everything's expensive. Here. Is this isn't bottled water. This is the yeah. They're three sixty five. You know. Their version of Perrier, it's like a, a buck or two a bottle. It's cheap. I used to use Safeway delivery, and then we should literally never talk about this delivery. again. Delivery? Oh, dude. Yeah, 10 bucks. Bring it to your house. This is, San, this is San Francisco. Damn, we got everything. You can, you can get whatever you want. You can get pizza, laundry, handies, whatever you want. 10 minutes, boom, to the door. It's like Cosmo. Just shows up. So they, they hated me, right? Because, well, it's easy to hate me. But obviously, I mean, yeah, obviously. It's easy to do. <laughs> But here's the thing. They want you to go in and buy all these costly things. You know, did you ever work at, you, you got, you've done fast food. You know, whenever you got like crappy stuff, it always goes to the drive-thru because they won't come back. Like all, all, all the like dented meat and like, and like all the, all, all the slightly, <laughs> the onions with the patina, like all of those are the ones that get delivered. But unless you're like me and, and you, know, you know how this racket works, you wait for the coupon to come in the mail and you say, yes, I would please like a free delivery and I would like you to bring me something between 10 and 24 cases of Safeway Seltzer water when it's on sale. Now, all of a sudden, I'm like Walgreens coupon. Wow. That's a, yeah, that, first of all, that's amazing because that's probably like the largest and heaviest item that you could possibly ask for for the least amount of money. Yep. I might as, got, might as well have gotten a, a rowboat on sale. <laughs> hi, hi, how's it going? I remember the guy, the delivery guy. His name is Royal. Lives down in Daly City. Hi, Royal. I think you're thinking of Royal. Oh, I think you're thinking of that magazine the Beastie Boys did. <laughs> Was it called Sunday? Sunday Royal? Anyway, Royal was pissed. He got angrier and angrier. I think he didn't like his job. And I know he did not like carrying literal cases of water in, in aluminum to my home. So, so now I, I never look back. I never look back. People come into my house. I serve them this. I make it in front of them. And, and they, they, they make an order before they even leave the house. There's no, not, even, not even a question. Change your life. Our first sponsor is PDF Pen for iPad from Smile. 
This is the mobile version of PDF Pen. Just won Best in Show at Macworld 2012. It works perfectly with PDF Pen for Mac. It's the only complete solution for full-featured PDF editing on your iPad and Mac. It lets you do everything. I mean, you can edit PDFs. You can add your signature. You can do all of that stuff, and it syncs perfectly with Dropbox, Evernote, Google Docs. Wherever you go, your PDFs go with you. Special introductory price is only $9.99 at the, app, at the iTunes App Store. Go to smilesoftware.com slash 5 by 5 and you will be letting them know that uh, you love the show. You want to complain about anything? I got a list of things you said. I got a list. I got a list. I, I tried to, I didn't know, I didn't want to bug you, Dan, because I know you're busy, but I didn't know how, if we were supposed to prepare or anything to. No, I, I like, I wanted to, to be impromptu. Well, I'm scared. I'm scared to like, you know, what we have for comparison in terms of, you know, like John's really good at complaining. Like he's really good. At it. Oh yeah, I mean, he we have really big shoes to fill here because w- like when he complains, you know, it, like it hurts. Like that, it's amazing how how well he complains. <laughs> right, Walt, well, uh, Eisner was his name. Walter Eisner. What's his, what's I think I'm thinking of Eisenhower. It's pronounced. Oh, that's the Disney guy. Okay, <laughs> Roy Eisenhower. <laughs> Royal Royal Eisenhower. <laughs> right. That'll, that'll cost you two hundred bucks in New Orleans. Yeah. Yeah. Are you kidding me? Five stars. Like a po' boy. Sure, muffaletta. <laughs> <laughs> what do they call that sauce? The the olive uh, thing that they lay on there on the bread. Muffaletta. muffaletta. That's the name of the sauce. Muff, muffaletta is the same. Uh, you talking about the olive spread? You always olive get bread. A piece of onion stuck in your mouth. You ever had that, Marco? You ever had a muffaletta? <laughs> He's never been no in New idea. Orleans. You don't go to New Orleans at all. Um, no, I've, I've never been there. Do you know what you know? What New Orleans open container law is. Is there one? There isn't one. Yeah, it's pretty good. It's pretty good. At least when I was there, there's all these like, you know, uh, uh, Frosty Grill drink places with drive-up windows. You just drive by. They give you like a... The like an incredibly Sure is. And like a giant, giant like um, pina colada type drink. Here, here's their open container lot last time I was there. Uh, if it has a straw in it, it's an open container. <laughs> and if you take out the straw, it's no longer an open container. <laughs> all right, then. I hope I never have to go on trial there. That seems like a place with some really strange decision-making going on. All you do is you get the, the witch lady to blow some powder in, in the courtroom and you are you get out. And your knee's sticking out of the bathtub? <laughs> that again. Was it that one? No, that was a different one. That was a different God, this, why do you let me be on anything? It's so annoying. I like that episode, though. I like the nest thing. I, you know what? Can I mention, can I suggest a, a thing that I think is pseudo-interesting? You're sure we just yeah, suck yeah. and jive? <laughs> <Go> for it. <laughs> well, something I always end up, I wish, like, I don't know how to use IRC and I don't understand my computer, so I never participate in these things. But when you're talking about Nest, you, you struck on something that I, I it's always obsessed me a little bit. This is kind of, I guess, a two headed Hydra. Um, <clears throat> first of all, you got this product that obviously, it, it, and we're talking here about the Nest thermostat. You guys talked on what, Build and Analyze before last or so about. Yeah, the week before uh, this week. And um, not to just in summary, I, I, if I could summarize correctly, you tell me. You said this is this great thing; it's beautiful, but it's it tries a little too hard to think on your behalf. It, it you have to do this like pretty janky web based programming to undo stuff like how it's learned that you changed it from seventy to sixty eight, and now it, it thinks you want that every day, right? That kind of thing. Yeah, pretty much. I'm just intrigued because I, when you got you said something that seems so simple to me as as a consumer, which is. I would like to have, you know, what has Apple done over the years? Apple has taken things that most people regard as commodity items that nobody would ever pay extra for. Everyone laughed at the idea, and then they turned it into something that people paid a ridiculous amount of money for, and then everybody 
<laughs> thought it was brilliant, right? Who's going to pay that much for a phone? Who's going to pay that much? Like, seriously, like, this is obviously something they excel at. And these, these Nest people seem like they're really onto something because they've made this very pretty thing that's, on the one hand, attractive and easy to use and smart. But like, it sounds like the, one of the most critical pieces of it, they didn't get exactly right. And, and, and it ends up undoing all of the awesomeness of the rest of the experience. You, like, you were a total gentleman, gentleman about talking about that because you were grateful for them sending an electrician to your house and stuff. But I don't know. I think it's interesting in product design, like in the way that you think about how you make Instapaper. Or I was especially struck by you talking about how hard it was to use the web app to do relatively simple things. Oh, yeah. It's very pretty. It's just, I'm, I'm, it's interesting to me, like when we, and this isn't maybe a fanboy thing, I don't know, but I'm always struck when I use Apple stuff by like the continuity of the whole experience of like how it all works together. It's not always perfect, but it is, it's pretty seamless. You never get to a place where you just drop through the floor and it suddenly doesn't work. It seems very well like thought through. And I'm just interested in, in that idea of especially, and, and Dan, like you've done this with the site and with the programs and there's a, a taste and continuity to how you put those things together. Um, and it's just—it's interesting to me that like with something that had such a high-profile launch like this, I mean, what's the what's the secret sauce in in getting a product launch that gets all of that stuff right straight out of the box? And and in this case, something—it's it, probably a pretty small team. I don't know. I don't know if I exactly have a point, but I'm really intrigued by how Apple does that. And and Marco, I'm forever using you as an example of somebody who makes decisions, makes these lines. These are things I will and will not do. And I kind of go into your design process when you think about stuff. It's because it seems like you say, like, if I can't do this well, I'm not going to do it. It seems like that's something you've heard you say like half a dozen times. Yeah, that's that's pretty much it. I mean, something like something that's very AI based. Um, AI traditionally means, uh, oh, God, please don't email us. Uh, (laughs) AI traditionally means, uh, you know, having the computer do something kind of smart and and kind of figure out what you mean and and do things the way a human would have done them. Uh, and, And in practice, you know, computers have mixed results when doing things like this. And, and this tends to not get much better over time. Like, you can look at a lot of aspects of, what, of the stuff in our world technology and you can say, oh, well, you know, phones get a lot better over time, CPUs get faster, you get more memory, more storage, all this stuff. That stuff gets dramatically better. Um, how accurately a computer guesses at, at what you meant by that doesn't really. It gets slowly a little bit better. It's like, like Netflix recommendations, and they have that whole challenge where you can make it like you know, 2% better or something and win, win a million bucks because that kind of incremental progress is all they can really hope for. Um, and so when you do something like what Nest does, which is try to learn what you meant by your thermostat adjustments, it's, it's very likely that your algorithm is going to guess wrong a lot of the time. And it doesn't take many guesses before it really annoys people. Like it, it, where, you know, guesses where it gets wrong. So you can, you know, have your thermostat be perfectly adjusted for a week and be doing exactly what you want it to do. And then one night of the week, it makes your house freezing cold while you're gone. And then you come back and your house is freezing and you're, you're annoyed by that. Like it, and you'll remember that and you'll forget the week that it just did perfectly well for you. And it only takes a few of those before you're, you're like, all right, how do I turn this learning stuff off? Mm-hmm. And so when I make my, my stuff with Instapaper, I, I really, I try not to do anything that I can't really do that well. And I mean, there's the one huge thing in the middle of it, the text parser, which is totally that same kind of thing. But uh, besides that, you know, which is kind of unavoidable for what the product does, 
besides that, uh, I try not to do a lot of things like any kind of, I, I've tried so many recommendation engines. You, you, everyone always wants a recommendation feature. I have tried to build a recommendation feature. I've tried so many different algorithms, different AI learning things and clustering things. And I've never found one that recommends stuff well enough that I want to use it. So that's why I have the whole editors and give me something to read bit because that's all human done. That's something that like, I know I can find a human with good taste, which isn't easy, but you know, I, I know I can get that done and have that be reliable. But once you have the computer try to guess what you mean by that and, and what, you know, guess what might be good, guess what you might be interested in, that stuff tends to work pretty poorly. And it doesn't look good on the product if you give people the idea that you can do something really well and then you can't do it or you do it 80% of the time. I mean, look at how disappointed a lot of people are in Siri because it isn't magic and it doesn't always know what you want and it sometimes gets things wrong. You know, and in reality, Siri is really good. As these things go, it's really, really good. But it's still only like, you know, 90% accurate or something. And, and you really see when it's wrong, and it, and it really does kind of take away from it. Especially when it's a very designy kind of thing, you know. Uh, something you guys, Dan, you and uh, John mentioned on the talk show, uh, talking about, um, I think it was you guys, somebody was showing that Adobe app for signing things. Do you remember that? I forget what it was called, but it was... Whenever I run into people who do iOS stuff, I always show them this app because it's so funny. It's, it's this app for like signing documents on, on your iPhone. And, and if you just... All you have to do is go to the iTunes um, App Store page to look at the screen grabs to see how hilarious the experience is. It is, you know, as people have pointed out, like there's, the fields are in different places. There's different ways you could navigate. You know what I mean? You always try and give somebody one way to navigate something. And this is, you're signing like a, you know, like a, you're buying a house or something on your iPhone, right? You, you want it to look really tight. And then the thank you page, the end page, has all of that bottom of the page, like, you know, vomit of links that you would only see on like a corporate web page. So you land on like a web page. It's like a web UI view that you land on. And somebody, I think it was John, somebody said, well, good thing this isn't made by a company that uh, caters to visual designers. <laughs> and that's the thing. Like people who go and buy something like the Nest are going to be expecting this, this like really whizzy thing. And this isn't a bag on them or anything, but it's, I feel like I encounter this uh, a lot because it is extremely hard to do. I bought that new version of the Glyph, and, and I'm not, again, I'm not to rag on people, but I bought that new Glyph that comes with the makes it makes it like turn into a tripod. You know what I'm talking about? The Glyph is the thing you can put your iPhone in, and they is made this a new like a little inner piece that goes into it. Yeah, they made a new one that essentially it, it's a, an extremely clever idea, which is it has the original Glyph, and then there's this other little plastic bit that you put in, and then it uses the box that it comes in. Like a fairly sturdy cardboard box, as the way. Anyway, you can Google this and see what it looks like, uh, and it, it is really brilliant. I, you know, I, I I got the original glyph. I, I was excited about this one because you can essentially make this little tripod where you could you have this thing where your kid can watch the iPhone on the plane, or you can use it with a mount to use it like a proper um, um, tripod. Right. The problem was when mine arrived the box had been like run over probably by our <laughs> MOOC neighbors. So this extremely clever idea, I've got, I, whatever I paid for that, like I, I don't feel bad because I like those guys and I'm excited for them, but like uh, there was a, a critical design flaw that they hadn't accounted uh, for some state college students and, and an SUV uh, because now it's like I've got two plastic pieces in a, <laughs> a dented box. <laughs> but, you know, I, I just think that's, it, that's the, one of the most amazing things about something like a Lion launch or an iCloud launch is like, you know, there's certainly been bumps, but 
you know, when you talked about like how you go into the website, like for years, anytime you buy any kind of electronic device, you knew when you got that CD-ROM and popped it in that you're going to see this really janky looking installer. You know what I mean? Like if you got a router, like when we got a... Oh, yeah. One of, like one of those Linksys remote cameras to see when our mail arrived. Oh, know? the ones they just find out that you could, like that it could be easily hacked. That was Trendnet. Could, oh, that was Trendnet. Okay, you're oh, safe. You're was, safe. Was, you're safe. Well, we don't use anymore. Until but, someone hacks those. Right. But uh, I don't know. I, just, I see that with you all the time, though, Dan. It, it seems like you leave out a lot of things by design because you, it wouldn't fit into what you're doing and you wouldn't want to like maintain it if, if you couldn't do it well. Is that fair? Oh, very fair. Yeah, I try to eliminate things that just because you don't, you know, you don't want everything that you get like that is it's one extra thing to think about. It's one extra thing to maintain. It's one extra thing to have to monitor, you know, the least you have, the better. Now, I think, I think even Apple is kind of having trouble with this though. Um, because anytime you, you try to stay relatively, you know, do few things well and, you know, have few features and have, you know, just be, be simple, whatever that means. And, you know, do that well. There's always a lot of competitive pressure from people who aren't being simple and, and who, who create this market demand for the features that they implement that you choose not to. And I think we can see a lot of this kind of chipping away at Apple um, and at their simplicity a little bit. Like, I mean, for one thing, how many, how many functions does the home button serve right now? You know, right. Like that, like that's one. And even, even like using, using an iPad today... Um, or, or an iPhone, you have notification center that comes down and that kind of gets in your way. And any, you know, if you tap near the top of the screen when on a full screen app, you get the little tab instead of whatever you were trying to do. Like there's all these things are kind of crowding the simplicity of Apple stuff. Look at Lion. You know, as I talked about, I think, I think on my show, did we talk about how bad preview is on Lion? I think we have talked, but it is, it, I mean, I it's, worth, it's worth saying it again that it's really bad. Like I, I think. There, I can point to a lot of things in Lion that still work worse than they did in Snow Leopard. And, <laughs> and I think anything, in, anything using uh, the auto-termination and resume feature, uh, which for me usually is um, preview and Xcode, it, it doesn't work reliably. It, it, will, it will kill itself reliably, and then it won't resume reliably. And that's persisted throughout 10.0, 10.1, 10.2. I haven't yet seen it on 10.3, but or ten seven, you know, you got, you got it. And uh, you know, I can still point to things like that Wi-Fi is still a little bit buggy for some people. Um, the the way that the laptops with dual GPUs, like the like all the fifteen inches, the way they switch between the two GPUs is horrible in Lion, and it results in terrible battery life for almost everybody with the fifteen inch MacBook Pro. Um, like, there's a lot about Lion that 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 actually still works worse. Um, I'm still having occasional weird iCloud issues where like. My, my phone won't sync the calendar entries until I launch the calendar app, even though it's set to push. Does that happen? Like, I, there's just like so much stuff. I feel like, <laughs> if like we're in confessing, general, I, I will confess I am still bewildered. I don't completely understand either PhotoStream or iTunes Match. I, I understand iTunes Match much better than I used to. And I actually, <clears throat> I think I understand it almost well enough to write up a tutorial for <laughs> what should be the default list. If, because of you, I, I mean, well, I think I've got like four or five playlists that I think everybody should have just to understand what you're dealing with. Do you know what I mean? Like you should have a way to know, okay, this is everything the cloud knows about and that I can delete safely. Like that should be a default. Like why is that not already in there? But no, I have to admit, like photo, I still don't completely understand PhotoStream. I don't, 
in the sense of like, it, there's this problem we talked about, Dan, on an episode of our show a while back, which was the whole, like, I'm not really sure where things live yeah. anymore mm -hmm. because of all, the, all these changes. Like, I'm not really sure where my songs, now I get it more with the songs, but like, I'm still, I still don't completely understand like where the kind of canonical version of my photos is or should be. And like what I can count on, I like photo stream having for me, you know? Is I've it, heard a lot of people say that this is their, photo. Um, yeah, yeah, I want to go back. I mean, I have been on you Lightroom. You don't sound for, convinced that you really use it. <laughs> I de well, that's the problem is I definitely use it, and it's filling up my MacBook Air very quickly, <clears throat> and I back that up a lot, but I, I want to bring that all... This, this is a boring story, but I, it took me a long time to get Lion updated on my Mac Pro, and I'm already kind of regretting it. Boring story? Don't, don't worry, this is hypercritical. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, <laughs> let's, if, if you, if you, I'll give both barrels. I mean, I still think there are a lot of things that are really non-obvious. Like, I'm not the sharpest knife in the drawer, but I still no, think... you're right. Yes, I still think I still think it's kind of weird. You have to sort of <laughs> manually update the apps to say go get new versions of the apps. I still think that's kind of weird. I, I mean, there's still a lot of things that having to like if you've lost any of the con connections with. So, like in the case of my wife's iPhone, through through a series of new computers and changes and stuff, it's kind of synced with three different computers. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you've ever had this happen. Do you know what I'm talking about? I do, totally. I know exactly it's, what you're talking about. It's extremely about. frustrating. So, like, at one point, I don't, know, I don't know how or why I did this, but I made it so that her music could be synced with the big computer that has all the music on it, right? That's a no-brainer. This is back in the pre-iTunes match. Um, her photos uh, were being synced for a long time, not at all, because they should have been syncing with a Mac we don't even use anymore. Um, and then she, we, she wasn't even doing, like, regular backups. And I was afraid to touch it at all, because short of going into the mobile sync folder and drilling down into the U, UUID number or whatever, yeah. you know what I'm talking about? Mm -hmm. Like, unless you go in there and dig around in those 30 gigs of files, mm. it's really scary. I don't want her to lose all of our kids' photos because I plug in the wrong thing and hit, a, hit the wrong radio button. But it's, I think there are a lot of things like that that are pretty non-obvious to people. There's, there's one widget or there's one piece of UI on the iPhone that I... Well, I mean... I think iOS, I'm sorry, I'm talking too much, but iOS to me is a showing growing pains in a huge way. I totally agree. Um, that The thing you mentioned about, it used to be, if you tapped in the top of the menu bar, it pretty much always meant go to the top of the page, right? But now that also means, as you say, notifications. Do you guys use tethering? I have used tethering. Yep. I know exactly where you're going with this. Well, it's, it's, that doesn't exist anymore. A, you don't have a top of the page thing anymore. You got a blue thing. Same way you would get with return to call, right? Uh, that that's just takes that over now. So you can't click top of page without going to the tethering area. So, I mean, that's, you know, it's like they say, say with digital watches, you know, it's gotten complicated when you have one button that does more than one thing. Um, and then things like, I mean, go and look at the notifications settings. Like, do you think that's something Steve Jobs loved? Where you go in and you think, set, yeah, it's a really terrible piece of UI by Apple standards. Like, what if well, you want to... I think one of the problems here is that, you know, they... They do try to be simple, and and not only has has the you know competitive pressure and market expectations forced them to add more features, and and of course they've added a lot just willingly because they wanted to. Um, not only that, but you know th they're trying to apply a simple interface on top of things that are very complicated, and sometimes you can do that if like to use a Joel Spolsky term, like sometimes though it's a leaky abstraction, like like you can't just hide the complexity of what's going on with a multi-device contact sync service uh, behind like an on-off switch. Like there, there's going to be so much complexity that mm -hmm. is going on down there. That sometimes 
the user has to be shown some of that. And sometimes it'll leak through. And like the syncing, kind of like the syncing thing on mobile on mobile me. Remember the syncing? Like which which of these do you choose? Yeah. Exactly. And and like there's so many there's so many things like that where what's going on like iTunes match, what's going on is so complicated that these that a simple interface can't really tell people quite how it should be or or what's going on or how to use it. But Apple is still by their nature trying to use such an interface to do that. And sometimes it just doesn't work. Yeah. Well, and it's it's why I keep thinking about Siri and uh like I, I like Siri. I, I when I heard people say, Oh, first people said Siri's great and I was like, mm, whatever. Then I got a phone where I could run it and I thought, Oh my god, Siri is gonna change the world. And then when people would say, Oh, everybody plays with it for a while and then they don't use it as much, I said, Oh, I scoffed because obviously this is gonna change the world. And now that's what I'm saying. <laughs> you know, it, it's really neat, but yeah, actually, I actually wound up turning it off completely. Really? Yeah, because this is the, the annoying thing that would happen. Most of what I was using Siri for was you're in the car or you want to operate hands-free and you essentially want what used to be called the voice control feature. And you just want to say, call Marco. And it, just, it should just do that. And then the, this would happen. I'm not saying it would happen multiple times a day, but usually once a day, I'd say, call, I'm not calling Marco that much, but it's an example. Call Marco. And it'd just be this long pause. And I mean, this might even be here on the, in, in the Wi-Fi in my house. It's not like I'm out on you know 3G necessarily. That would happen there too. But I did call Marco and just long pause. I'm sorry, I can't take any more requests right now. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I asked you to do something that voice control can do on my phone without connecting to the internet, without requiring the the super AI of you know the the, the master control program. You know just just look at my address book. You could do this before without an internet connection at all. I'm not asking you to transcribe a text to my wife or set a reminder or use my location to identify some. No, call Marco. It should be something that the phone automatically says, well, I'm Siri. I can't process this request right now, but it, it, it was something the phone can do by itself. And I do things like that enough that it just became... To be honest, it became a little bit frustrating. So I had to go in and when you disable it, you get the old school voice control that you had in the previous version of iOS. And so you really use that though. I use that. Hmm. I never did. But I what I really miss when it is turned off is the ability to respond to a text or an email or something with voice or to do a simple search with voice. So I, inevitably I wind up turning it back on when I need that. But typically, it's it's off right now, and to me, that's that's a, a an example of something that doesn't degrade very gracefully at all. It would be really great if Siri could say, "Well, I can't get an internet connection, but I've got enough intelligence right here to know mm-hmm. that what he asked me for was something that's completely self-contained on my phone." So I'm going to fall back to the old voice recognition, voice control system, which I used to be able to do just fine, and I'm going to look and say, "Oh." I can look up a, an address book contact right here. He's not asking me to, you know, search for the the closest uh, barbecue joint. I just can look this up, uh, this Marco person up right here, and do that. It doesn't do that. And well, but the problem there though is that again, this is a leaky abstraction. So I was just thinking in my head, all right, what if Apple made it so that as it was sending the request to Siri, it in parallel also processed the voice control the way it used to in the background. And the reason why that, and if you think about it, that actually doesn't work either. Because Siri has added functionality. 
So if you so let's say for instance, I don't even know if this is the case, but let's say like does Siri still recognize the uh, I mean does voice control recognize relationships like like call my wife or do you have to give a name? No, it still it gets my wife. Like you can and there's a lot of different things you can assign it like you know wife, spouse, kid, assistant, all of it gets all of that. Pretty much anything. I, and just old school voice control does that. Well, voice control does not do that. Oh, okay, okay. Siri yeah, does. Voice, voice control. control I gave up on voice control like very quickly back in the day, just because I can't. I mean, it's one thing to say play Radiohead's OK Computer and, and have it play something else by Radiohead, but what I would get was dialing your ex girlfriend from 1994. And like, ah, <laughs> I don't. I, I don't know what I was doing wrong, but I, I never trusted that. But you know, this is this is a lot like is, these are the funny UI things like like you guys talking about GPS. It tries. It's a joke, like a stand up com, comics joke. You know the. You know, recalculating, recalculating. Well, what it's really saying, what it should be, it doesn't mean to be like um, correcting you probably. What it really means is you've taken a different route and I want to help you with that. But that, that's how it, how it comes across. But, but in the same way, like as, as somebody you work with, if you gave them, asked them to do things and they didn't do it for you, you'd stop trusting them. You know, the, 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 I can understand why Siri would be rolled out in a limited way. And, you know, but still it's, it's something where that's going to leave an impression with people that's, not to open an old wound, but it's going to feel a little like mobile me. Like if, if Siri doesn't feel dependable, people aren't going to use it. And then when it does get better, if they're like me anyway, they may be a little cautious to take that up as something that's really part of their workflow, which is I think oh, what yeah. they want it to be. I mean, I, I use Siri a lot between when I got the 4S and a few weeks ago. But a few weeks ago, it started crapping out almost every time I would try to ask it something. And so I just stopped using it. I, I, I'm, I'll go back to it eventually if... You know, if if the next few tries are reliable, I'll probably start using it more. But as long as it has been unreliable, like I, I'm not sure that I would ever really use it as often as I used to now. The thing I, I always think about, um, and <clears throat> I feel like this comes up so much with no matter what you're talking about in the in the electronics, gadget, computer, anything, mobile space, is that is that how we're moving further to the right of the adoption curve? <clears throat> you know, I think about this with our sponsors, Dan. Like, there's a reason we do our sponsor stuff the way we do. We, you may have heard of some of the things that we're talking about, and we want to remind you <clears throat> that this is something you should look at, or maybe you didn't hear about this one thing. Do you know what I mean? You get like kind of like banner blindness, but like how many people today like haven't heard of Apple? How many people like have still are like wondering about making a buying decision? Well, some, but I mean, most of the nerds know where to scratch their itch at this point. They may change their mind, but it seems to me that especially with the App Store, especially with the iPad, more, I mean, this is either going to sound really stupid or really obvious, but more and more of the people that buy these things are going to be much closer to the middle or the right side of the adoption curve where there's less background in technical sophistication. There's more of a need for support. Do you know what I mean? So the irony is, like, did you guys see that thing I just sent you in the robot? If you look there. at that that cloud link, you can throw it in the thing if you want. <clears throat> what I, what yeah, I, said I don't then, see a robot. <clears throat> the robot is the Skype window. That's what it, Merlin's uh, calls the Skype. I'm sorry, I'm a robot. This uh, I just sent you something that I consider <laughs> uh, one of the most hilarious and dangerous pieces of UI I've ever seen on a on a Mac device. So if anybody's got an iPhone with uh, iOS five and um, iTunes Match, if you go to the music section under settings, you'll see a what was what do you call the radio button? What do you call that, Marco? A switch. You got a switch for on off. And so in my case, it's on because I want iTunes match on. And I've got show all music on. So for those who don't know, that means that anything I've bought, matched, whatever in iTunes, like if it's not on my phone, I'll get a little cloud. 
to say that it's not there. It's really cool, right? Now, I can just hit that off button for show all music. So if I'm like on a plane or I'm somewhere, I don't want to see music I can't get to, right? I can flip that on and off all day long. What happens if I hit that iTunes match switch? The button that says on off. Do you know what happens I've if you never, hit that switch? I've never hit that. <laughs> does, it, does it instantly delete all of the iTunes match music off your sure phone? I'm you don't have the music on your phone anymore. <laughs> oh, I, it deletes I, all the synced music. Well, I'm not going to test it right this second, but okay. uh, but that's the kind of thing where I don't think you even get a pop up for that, right? I mean, it's it's not like, like it's not going to. You're saying you 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 make that switch, and you're just it's you ever just delete gone. a calendar, or you ever delete like calendars under you know Gmail Exchange or something? Yeah, and you get that weird looking on Apple looking little HUD pop up that says, "Are you, you know? Do you want to leave these on here or take them off?" Right. Well, you know, I'm just, I'm curious about that though, because, and, and I don't mean to keep bringing it back to you guys, but, but it, it always seems to me like when you're a one person operation or you're a, whatever you want to call it, or not tour of whatever you do, you get to make a lot of weird decisions that people can either take or leave. But Apple seems really challenged by this growing, growing market of users. I mean, this is the right kind of problem to have, but when you're selling this many iPads to this many people and it's this many people that have never used this kind of device before. Um, I think there's going to be all kinds of challenges like this that they face. Like once you get your head around iTunes match and you're happy and you put it on here, well, like what if you're on a plane and you hit that button? Okay, maybe not a big deal. You lost your Bruce Hornsby in the range and you're sad. But like what if the, what if the dream comes through and you've got all of your documents on here on iCloud, right? Like right now on iCloud, you st- I th- think you still have to go to a website to, to upload your pages documents. Is that accurate? Yeah, I, I think iWork has been suspiciously non-updated for i for iCloud. Still, it's just you know we've all been gnashing our teeth for the last three or four years about all these little weird changes, whether it's sandboxing or the way Final Cut Pro gets updated. I, I think I think we can brace ourselves for a whole lot more of that because I think that Apple's going to have to narrow their focus on these kinds of things. I mean, is this really going to be like an enterprise play? Are you really going to have all your PowerPoint documents on here? And then like how, how will you deal with that in a non-file based environment? It's, I don't know. I just, I think, I think it's an interesting time. And I think looking at this version of iOS 5, I have a feeling the next version of this iOS could look really, really different. That's all I'm saying. I don't know what you guys think. That's what I think. I mean, definitely certain parts of its design have kind of pigeonholed it and, and kind of are, are going to restrict it from, from what it can do and how complex it can be. I mean, like all the, all the file browsers, uh, this is all like every one of them behaves as one giant folder. And so, like you know, are, for all, are you going to have all your PowerPoint documents on there? Like, if it's one giant folder, are you going to be able to find anything? And then, what do you do if you want, like, if you want to like archive something and like hide it away forever? Like, do you have to leave it there in that folder forever? Right. It's it's just it's weird. Like, there's there's no, it, it doesn't grow very well. It doesn't it doesn't go over time very well. I think a good patient zero for that <clears throat> might be David Sparks for a variety of reasons. Because David it has written a book about using your iPad at work, a really good book. I've got that uh, book right here. It's a really good book. And uh, David does, uh, along with Katie, does Mac Power Users on 5x5. But David also, I mean, he's really serious about it. It's not a toy for him. Like a lot of people today, he, he uses an iPad to write. He uses it for his work. And he's an attorney. Well, I don't know how many attorneys you know, but attorneys have a lot of stuff. <laughs> um, so you look at somebody like David and he, he, he wants to use that. I mean, I'll let him speak for himself about how well this works, but I'm trying to think about like when you work with your lawyer, like what app do you use a lot? 
when I work with, with my Microsoft Word, Word. yeah, it's it's Microsoft Microsoft Word, Word or in, I see. I refuse to use it. I use Pages, but I know where you, I know what you well, mean. And you, you have give, to use a word processing program that none of us, at least talking right now, would ever want to use. Well, I mean, this is a point that we can beat to death. But it's, what's a word it's processing worth, program? <laughs> exactly. Well, it's it's the word processing program, and because it has things like those revisions, and because a lot of those lawyers are on Windows, it's not a value judgment, but that's just the truth. That is how a lawyer, that's how like a book editor, this is what they do all day long, is open Microsoft Word documents and save versions. Do you know what I mean? Like that's their that's the workflow of of a grown up professional in in what they do, right? And so it's just interesting to to me to think about like the same person that they're going to try and sell an iPad to somebody for Christmas morning, you know, for Junior. Is that are they trying to tune that for the same kind of person? Like I, I don't understand how Pages is going to work for a lawyer that has five thousand files with different versions. Mm. You know, that's yeah, a nightmare scenario. And, it I mean, really, I, really is. And I mean, every I've just even even in some, you're talking about lawyers, which I think is an extreme. I often have to go back and forth when we're lining up a sponsor and they'll send over some kind of, you know, some kind of IO document or something that they, you know, well, in this one, we said we wanted it to start in March, but we decided that we don't want it to start in March. Uh, we want it to start in, in April. So we've got another version of this one and we want to, but please keep the old version because there's a language in there that the Lord, you know, now you've got three versions of it and that's just one, one sponsor out of several that we're going to have each week. And they all do that. How do you manage this stuff? Right. It, it really, it, that really is a big problem. And have being able to say here, okay, I have a contracts folder and inside the contracts folder, I have, uh, you know, the name of, of a, maybe even a month and then inside the, or a year. And then inside the year, there's a month inside the month. There's all the contracts that I have to deal with in that month. And that, that's me. I don't even have many of these things. Imagine, I re, I'll tell you, night, here's a nightmare story. Just to show you how we're talking about the philosophy or the philosophical concept of files and folders and what if that gets taken away. I remember back in the the, the time period when Mac OS 9 was uh, transitioning, they were, Mac OS 10 had just come out, and if you upgraded, you got something that was so completely foreign to you. It was so different from anything that you'd ever dealt with before. Yes, there was a mouse, but I mean, everything in, in the concept of the finder and the way it worked and everything that went on was so different. I remember reading in some support form about a, a company, I think it was a company in an ad agency. And you know, a lot of creative types, think of Merlin, the creative types like him, were using Mac OS and it was known as, I mean, I'm talking about before the big revolution when, uh, uh, before I'm a Mac, I'm a PC, and before like everybody that you knew was using it, was, a Mac. it was it was the apart from it's a toy. It was the laugh line about right. Macintosh. Is it was like for squirrely artists, right? It's like you know the, the the and and so like obviously this was somebody who was not a technical person, but the way that they had organized and categorized their stuff. Not only did they use color coding, and by the way, did you know you used to be able to make the folders a certain color and like with a label and the color would actually, the folder would change color. It wouldn't be like a strange highlight around the text under the, the whole, the folder itself would just be red if you made it red. They had organized things with colors like that, but they had also organized them visually, like spatially inside of a folder. So like in the upper left of the folder was this one document and the upper right was this other doc. Now I have no idea why they, because they were some squirrely artist. 
That's why they had this weird organizational system. But you know what? Who cares? The finder should re- re- respect that if that's how they want to do it. And in OS 9, they did. Now, when they upgraded to OS 10, like all of that was gone. I don't even remember if the early versions of Mac OS 10 supported labels, at least not in the same way that we had them. All of that data, the organization, the uh, arrangement of things was all stripped. It was gone. It was lost. And to me, I'd be like, well, who cares? That's that's a stupid way to organize it, right? But to these people, this is how they wanted to do it. And this is how they'd been doing it like since Mac OS 6, you know, since System 6. And now and every single upgrade all through the years, it just stayed. It just worked. It just worked and the whole time. Now, all of a sudden, it, that stuff is gone. They threw it away. You know, we're talking about changing the, the notion of not using files the same way. But, it, you know, there there's a history of trying to make these changes and and. And it is, I think it's a challenge. And Apple is there saying, we want you to work a different way. But there's tons and tons of people who are saying, well, I can't. I can't do that. If you change this, uh, it'll screw things up. So that means I just won't be able to use this tool that way. I won't be able to get on that bandwagon. I agree. There's there's been a lot of things like that (laughs) where I've, I've thought, oh, I'll never adjust to that. You know, and then I have ended up adjusting. And, and so I, I'm not trying to sound dire or like gloom and doom, but I'm thinking about people. I talked to a guy this morning who does a lot of visual stuff. And, you know, like a lot of people who use things like Photoshop, like think about, I don't know if you're like this, Dan, but like a lot of people are really, um, there's a whole art to the way that they name their and group their layers. Right. I mean, if, if you do a lot of that stuff and have to change it ever, it makes a lot of sense in the same way that I would have a taxonomy for how I name text files, because that's important to me. Yeah. If you're somebody who does a lot of Photoshop, you, you really you think about that a lot because you may have to share those files with other people. They may make changes. You, you know what I mean? It's not it isn't just fiddly stuff to be thinking about this. And I just think about like right now on my phone where people can very sanely ask or phone or iPad, like, why would you use three or four different text editors? I'm not going to get in text editors, not really. <laughs> but like for, but well, and it's, it's for a reason that is, I don't know if it's an interesting reason, but it's, very, it's a very realistic, non-fiddly reason. Which is, is it which monospace font each one of them uses? <laughs> Precisely. Which flavor of Markdown? No, but I really, I like Nebulous Notes for, for everything that it can do. Um, but Notesy is really good at finding files. It's much better at finding files. Only recently did Nebulous Notes add the ability to sort by date, which is how I always sort everything, right? Um, freshest at the top. And Notesy is even uh, has a nice addition of saying, just show me files that have changed in the last week, which can save you a lot of time. Um, if you're somebody like me who has a lot of those files, that's really important. Well, that's, that's you know, we don't, this is not an Android phone we're not, or whatever, a Windows phone. You're not going to have a bunch of icons and a way to drill down in the classic file structure, right? So, I mean, this is, it does get to an interesting question though, which is, um, I mean, is is Apple going to be able to change a whole industry in the way you know, like they're trying to? Was it fair to say they're still trying to kind of change the way people think about editing with Final Cut? I mean, is that a resolved issue? Is everybody happy about that at this point? We're going to get Sandy to tell us that. But it's still it was a pretty hot issue because you really are asking people. You're not you're not just trying to introduce uh, an Adobe style change in the key command, which would drive people crazy with Photoshop back in the day. You know, it's muscle memory, right? You don't just go in and mess with people's key commands. Um, <laughs> but I'm just thinking in the case of a professional person, we now, you know, right at the time that's so rich, like you take a, something like a combination, again, talking to somebody earlier today, I think about the stuff that I do that involves Dropbox, so much Dropbox, and Hazel, and if this, then that, 
right? And and all these different things. There's all these little pieces where you set it and forget it, and now there's a workflow that just works. I'm just wondering what that's going to look like on an iPad. If they really want people to buy iPads for work, and maybe they don't. Even if you want it for movies, look at this. If you really got got to where you had lots and lots and lots of movies, like, do you love navigating Netflix on an Apple TV? That's not. It, it's probably the best implementation I've seen, and it's pretty horrible. The whole Apple TV interface is probably the best thing going right now in plugging things into TVs, but it's pretty Although horrible. Although it's also unreliable. Yeah. Because also the Apple TV software has gotten much less reliable since the Apple TV 1. Apple TV 2, awesome device, less reliable. Mm-hmm. Do you ever get the thing where you, you'll be going through the menu and all of a sudden, like all of the menus will disappear and there'll be like one or two menus and then you start going through them and then all the other ones will reappear again? Yeah, it's, I think that's like when, when network connectivity drops or when it thinks network connectivity drops. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, it's even, see, I, I, you can feel like you can feel Apple's software resources being strained with all these, all these new uh, products whose software seems a lot buggier than we came to expect from Apple as of a couple of years ago. Like, that's, that's why I'm, I'm kind of harping on this so much because I, I really, like I was talking to somebody this weekend who was still using Snow Leopard, and, and I told him, like, you know, actually, I wouldn't suggest upgrading to Lion yet. Like, if you don't have any reason that you need to, don't, because Snow Leopard still works better. And, like, Apple TV, the, the old one is more stable than the new one. does less, but it's more stable. iOS, previous versions, like, they've seemingly been more stable than, than 4 and 5. Um, you can just feel like they're really being strained. Uh, Apple, you know, really being strained with, with what... They, like, they're, they're stretching themselves too thin and, and maybe doing too much too quickly. You got to say why? Why are they stretched too thin, though? I mean, we already know they're they have more money than anybody. They have more money than most countries right now. They could easily staff up, right? They could hire people, and I, maybe there's a shortage. Maybe the answer is that they they can't find people to do the jobs. But you would think that they could. You would think that it shouldn't that. Maybe that's the problem is that the, it's, a, it's a resource problem, not with money, but with finding people, getting them up to speed, getting them, you know, to be. But it, if you were to look at the the developer space right now, if you were to think about the number of developers out there today and the tools that they use, forgetting the fact that how many iOS developers are out there, just in general, most, if not all, I mean, all is a, a strong word. I'll just say that the significant majority of the people that I know that do any kind of development at all, whether it's Mac or iOS or Rails or PHP or whatever, most of them use a Mac. When I go to the coffee shops here in Austin or whatever, I, I almost never see a PC of any kind. I see a plenty of iPads. I see tons and tons of MacBook Airs. That's what's there. Now, if you think back to a number of years ago, that w- you remember when that trend was just really starting and you were seeing more and more and more of them. I remember when I spoke at Linux Expo in 2000 in the, the Javits Center, uh, I had a, uh, the, the, I think it was the Lombard or the Pismo uh, PowerBook. And that's what I was there using. That was my main machine. That's what I give my presentation on. The, the, the audience was almost borderline ready to throw vegetables at me because I was, it wasn't running yellow dog Linux, but 
the the fact was that that was super rare. Nobody had those things. Now that's almost all you see. So if what I'm saying is right now, tons and tons and tons of people, especially the people who make software, are on board with the Apple way. We'll call it. Why why is that the situation with Apple? Why can't why is Apple? I agree with you that they're being strained uh, and, and that they're 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 thinning out on their resources and that it is starting to show in some areas but why why is that well for the for the sake of argument what makes you think they haven't already done that and that's part of the problem i mean i i, I, I hate to keep falling back on one of the three books i've read but the mythical man month right <laughs> what happens when you throw people at a project um well the culture of the team gets strained and so um wh- why wouldn't they do that well maybe they already have you know, yeah, they got a lot of money, but I mean, two two answers to that question hypothetically could yeah. be: well, we don't want to add people to that because we've already got enough on our hands, and we don't need need any more of those notifications <laughs> screens. I mean, I mean, certainly they, they've they've got a lot of plates to keep spinning right now for sure. But on the other hand, it wouldn't surprise me that much to know that they I don't want to say they've lowered their standards. That, that's totally the wrong way to put it. But that they've you know brought in a lot of people to fill out teams that were that were straining to hit their deadlines. You know, we talked before about the project triangle, um, and actually, you and you and I think Gruber talked about this uh, on your show one time. Oh no, maybe it was on our show. Anyway, the point is that you can tell a lot about a company by which corner of the project triangle they put in order of magnitude above the others, right? Of you know, uh, like features, uh, price, you know, cost, and time. And so, in the, his theory, I think, he's saying he's heard this from other people too. But you know, in the case of um, of Apple, they put having it be awesome an order of magnitude above the other ones, right? And so if that's the case and you go into a room with Steve and do a presentation of something that wasn't flawless, you know, I, I have to imagine that that's a, that's a pretty stressful thing for a, for a product manager or for a team. You've got to make that thing awesome. So yeah, you might bring in more people. Steve, who knows, in operations, obviously there's some, some operational geniuses there. I'm just saying like, th- th- I'm not sure that that's a solution to, to the problem. It's, it, it may be that they really do t- have too many things happening right now to be awesome at all of them at the same time. I mean, I hate to bring this up, but look at Microsoft stuff. Microsoft has had all the people in the world for decades and, and all the money in the world. And they, have, they are the, the best example of just throwing tons of resources at every possible problem. And their stuff is not really very high quality a lot of the time. And what we see, you know, they, they have a whole bunch of features they have to implement. They, they've grown over time to accommodate more of the market and more use cases. Maybe this is inevitable. Maybe just all that Apple has taken on with their products and all that they have to do to both remain competitive and keep moving stuff forward is going to result in an inevitable increasing complexity that's going to make overall quality decline. Do you think that's possible? Well, I mean, it would be unfortunate, but what do you... So what does Apple do to respond to this? Uh, the, the richest company in the world is going to stop making as many products and scale back? That doesn't seem like what they want to do. I don't but, really know how you fix this. Well, I mean, isn't it, maybe it's just conventional wisdom but I don't know if it's true or not, but I mean, a lot of people would say, well, you do fewer things and you draw a line in terms of quality about what you can afford to do. So, you know, there's all the numerous Steve Jobs quotes about, you know, you see the stylus, you know, they blew it, that kind of stuff. Well, I mean, I think 
now that we think about it, though, I'm trying to think like, well, what do you think is like working really great right now? You guys sound like you're pretty skeptical about about a lot of Apple type things, and I, I guess I probably am more than I realize. But like, what do you think is like a like a balls out hit right now? Like, what do you think is a is a quality home run right now in the Apple world? I mean, I would say definitely uh, the uh, the iOS devices. You know, hardware wise, they're great. Hardware, yeah. Software like like an I, iPad, I, good. You're saying like an iPad, iPhone hardware standpoint. Pretty perfect, pretty great. See, it's easy. It's easy for us to look at this stuff and and to say and and, and to find all these problems. The reality is, of all the stuff that that these things do, the vast majority of it works very well. Mm-hmm. It's only because all that works very well that we're able to identify the little things that don't. You know, it's, and, it's, it's and absolutely so it, true. I mean, we'll always find something else to 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 pick on. It's it's probably I think uh, you know I don't I'm not really into the Apple punditry stuff so much as some of my friends but I think as an Apple watcher as somebody where this has become as you say like a big part of how we make stuff we do or how we spend our spare time or whatever it it, it is a big thing but it's it's just funny in the wake of all these it, it, I've said this before but it's almost like being gay or being a vegetarian like in the, in the 50s if you met somebody else who who was gay you like you'd you'd celebrate like if oh my gosh you're like me you're it's so rare to meet somebody that likes to do these same things that I do and and we can talk about that and that's a cool thing oh my gosh you're a vegetarian too that's a really big deal now today the reasons that people are vegetarians differ so much the values of people who are homosexuals have differed so much some people want kids some people don't want kids you can't count on having the same cultural dna just because of that one axis anymore. I think it's one reason um, the iWorld pipe eye thing is, is different now. I don't, think, I don't think it's as important to self-identify as an Apple fan anymore. Ironically enough, with more and more people being Apple fans and buying Apple stuff, that's all the more reason to not feel like you have to self-identify and spend, spend your own money to go to San Francisco, as fun as it is. Do, do you know what I mean, though? It's, it's right, almost I mean, no, weird Nobody growing. had to identify as a VHS fan in 1985. Right. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Our second sponsor is uh, SourceBits.com. These guys provide software design and development services for iOS, Android, Mac, and the web. They are bleeding edge of emerging technologies. Uh, They have tons of experience and a successful track record. Your idea, whatever it is, they will transform this into a functional, well-tested, visually stunning, world-class app. doesn't matter if it's iOS, Android, web, all three, and more integrated. They can do it. Then they save you money because they get it done right. It's not like going and hiring a bunch of college kids that have a cool website. These guys know what they're doing, and they're serious about getting it done. Sourcebits.com, cutting-edge app development. But, you know, I mean, at the same time, then, that that means that, you know, there was that time when, like, everybody you knew had used Windows, and everybody you knew tweaked Windows. You know, sort of like you said on, the, on your show, talking about comparing it to, to the Nest in the sense of, like, you know, your friend Dan, who wanted to be able to run all these tools that he ran on Windows. And when he was on OS 9, had no appeal for him because of that. It was only once he could get under the hood with 10 that he was into that. Um, I don't know. I mean, it's a company that's, it seems like it's a company whose culture was based on operating in, in a certain kind of way for a long time, setting aside the Steve Jobs there or not there part. And, and now they are a big company. And every big company eventually gets big company problems, including fragmented culture. Including increasing demands, including increase, increasing scrutiny, um, and I don't know. I mean, and and what you're able to do flawlessly under those conditions is is tough. But I mean, you know, to their credit, just to be fair, I mean, like the software hardware integration on an iPhone does really still blow my mind. 
And uh, all you have to do is use anything else to return to how amazing that is. That's think? a good point. I mean, I, I think because like because we tend to use mostly Apple stuff, uh, we collectively as five by five hosts and possibly a lot of the listeners as well. Um, it, we really we don't see a lot of the rest of the world. Like you know like what what other things are like, and it really is shockingly bad. Like there there was uh, a couple of months ago, I had to use my brother in law's PC laptop. I, I was I was setting up uh, some iPad stuff for him on there. And it was just shockingly bad using this this Windows PC. I, I and I I was a Windows guy for so long. I really just always assumed that I that I know how it is. That you know, oh, it's like I remember it. Um, but my memory is now getting you know pretty old for for using Windows. And uh, I think it's better in my head. And and when I went to go use it, it was just just shockingly bad. I I could not believe how incredibly terrible this really was to do what I consider to be very simple things. And, and so again, like, you know, we, we are nitpicking on these things about Apple, but they're still, I think on top, you know, like they're still making the best things in a lot of these markets. And, and I don't think that these, that these growing pains that we're seeing have anything to do with Steve Jobs not being there anymore because these things all started when he was mm-hmm. there. You know, we've been seeing signs of, of these, of like, you know, the, the creaks in the foundation and, and like the designs kind of bursting at the seams. We've been seeing these for years. Many of them are decisions that, we, that we're pretty sure that he made himself. So I, I wouldn't really, like, it, this isn't really necessarily that new of, of a problem. I, I think we're starting to see more of it because there is more of it to see. These things are doing more than they've ever done before. You know, we're, we're complaining now about iTunes Match and, and iCloud weird stuff. Those things didn't exist eight months ago. Right. You're saying these are good things to complain about, but, you know, but there's still little little details, little problems, little flaws. But think right. of that. Yeah, but you're right. I mean, think of the, think of the situation. A friend of mine, uh, I've known him for years. He's a, a, an excellent software developer, but, you know, he uses, uses a PC. That's what he uses at work. He does a lot of Java development. Uh, and that's, you know, the, the IDs and things that they use that's for what, I don't know why I'm not making excuses for him. That's what, that's what they use at his company. So that's what he typically has. And he was working on a project for me. He was writing some software for me in, in Java. And I said, well, can, could you put this on GitHub instead of like, you know, emailing me the jar file every single time you make a change, could you put it on GitHub? He's like, okay, I'll look, I'll look at that. I said, it's, you know, it's really easy to use. He's familiar with Git, but you know, and not use it. So he comes back. He says, "Okay, I made an account, but I unfortunately won't be able to upload this until tomorrow when I get back to my home computer, and uh, and then I, I have to look at what's involved in installing Git and get that going. And there's all these other and I just you know we he and I were talking about all of the steps that are involved to get a now of course we're coming from this from the standpoint of being a developer, but all of the things that you need to do just to be able to do the most basic development on a PC." It takes hours and hours. There's this Cygwin thing that you have to install that gives you these command line tools and bash and other things you might want. You've got, you know, good luck getting Apache actually working if you want MySQL and stuff. You know, I've written those tutorials on installing things like MySQL and Rails and everything years ago. Now we've got Homebrew and you can just type like brew install MySQL, done. 
And it's it's like a first world, third world kind of computing right. thing. It's no, like, exactly. It's like, like if your instructions to somebody are like, oh, how do I hook up this water filter? Okay, well, first you, you know, hook this up to your sink. And I'm like, well, I don't have a sink. You know, like <laughs> here's like how to here's really how to get a sink. Me. Right. <laughs> We're in different worlds here. <laughs> yeah. Let me get a, let me get you a different pamphlet. <laughs> yeah. And that you know that Marco, that's an excellent point. Is that it's, it is a very, very different world on the other side. So what we're complaining about are things, but it, as, as our friend John Syracuse would say, that doesn't matter. These things should still be better. They can still be better, so they should be better. It's not like it's not saying, well, they're all right because they're better than what else is out there. We're saying, no, there, there's a, a way to make them even, even better than they are. And I think the concern that we're kind of expressing is, are things continuing to get better or have they actually right. taken it maybe taken a turn toward not every time something getting better because for a long time there every single thing that apple did i mean well, maybe that's a generalization every single thing but the big things that they did seem to make things a heck of a lot better once in a while they'd come out with a flop like Mo- mobile me but you know leopard was way better snow leopard was way better you know, and each subsequent thing that they came out with, the new versions of iOS were were much, much better. You know, I think they're consistently doing that with the hardware. Like, uh, was it Marco? I think you you said that. Um, you know, look at look at the iPad two. It's way better than than the iPad. I don't think there's anybody that would argue that. Person oh, yeah. personally, I think the latest iPhone is better than the previous iPhone. Mm-hmm. Look at look at this 11 inch MacBook Air that that I've got, or the 13 for that matter. Either of those two computers light years better than the computer that I had not five years ago, but like a year or two ago. They're so much better as a computer. I'll sit here and I'll hold this 11-inch computer. Every time I pick this thing up, it happens multiple times a day. I'm like, I can't believe this is real. Like, I look at this 11-inch MacBook Air, I'm like, I can't believe this really exists. Forget, you know, forget what, what they had five years ago. Even the last three years, it's amazing what they've done with this thing. And I was thinking if I took this computer, which I'm once in a while, I think, oh man, I wish the battery life was a little better. Like, I'm at, if I took this back to the five to 10 year ago version of myself and said, this is what you're going to be using in five years, dude, I, my jaw would drop. I'd be like, you've got to be kidding me. This is from outer space. You know, it really, and imagine when we first started using computers 10, 15 years ago, and you show them an 11 or 13 inch MacBook Air and an iPhone and an iPad, which are just things we just carry around with us. We think just carry your, these things around. Gizmo. Like I had a Wall Street. Yeah. And, I, and when I first got one of those, what, Orinoco or whatever, I had to buy a wireless card that would stick out of the side. Right. That would break if you put it, you know, in your laptop case. <laughs> and that thing weighed, I don't know, I, I, in my head, it weighed like 14 pounds. Yeah. It was, I think it, it did. Was, the one with the clear, like the gold kind of keyboard. Yeah. Now, which one? There was a lum, I think the one was called the Lombard, and one was called the Pismo, and one of them had like the goldish sort of key, yeah. goldish brand. And I had that's the one I had. Now, could you pop the CD-ROM drive out and put two batteries in, one on each side? Both sides. Yeah, man. You can have two batteries in there for when you travel. That was all. You get almost four hours out of that. <laughs> is that what a double ender is? Yes, that is. <laughs> oh, okay. that's the same thing. Thinking of Dutch. <laughs> I, I have this. I have this new theory as I become more fearful as a person, which is that almost all of our concerns in life come down to loss or fear of loss. Hmm. And I, I think there's. I, I don't know if this is true for all like gadget people, tech people. I think this might be true for a lot of Mac people, Apple people who've been around for a while. Which is a certain inherent nervousness to being an Apple person, right? There was there was a nervousness back in the day 
you know, it's expensive. It's not ubiquitous. It's it's looked down upon by people. You become very defensive as a Mac user. And people today may forget that. I mean, I'm not trying to sound like a old, old, wise old man, but there was a time when you, people really did think you were an idiot for using a Mac. And maybe we were. I don't know. But maybe we were maybe we were paying that idiot tax and paying too much. And oh, you can't do this and you can't do that. But the, but the point is, like over time, we got used to being feeling like we we're Cubs fans or something. And you got into this position of like you're always pulling for Apple. And whenever Apple did have something cool, wow, that iMac. All right, it's kind of kind of fruity looking, but like that's pretty awesome. Wow, and these <laughs> ads are really good. And it was like, you know, just a little step by step and like stone by stone, they kept were pulling themselves out. And it just seemed like every couple of years it got awesomer and awesomer. And and I think there's a reason that people like John Gruber are so damaged today. Uh, like me, <laughs> we remember what it used to be like to not be able to print in an right. office. Right. That was not that long ago. And that's why we're going, you know what? Guy who wouldn't let me print because of the NT footprint for allowing an Apple on the network. It worse, I think we're nervous. I think we're scared of loss. I will speak for myself. I'll, here's the loss I'm scared of. I'm so excited that the iPad is really good. You know why the iPad's good? Because they can sell a lot of them to people who hadn't bought them before. And that's great. Okay, but immediately as a nervous Apple fan, I think my mind jumps straight into, okay, so what do I lose because of that? Well, now I'm afraid of losing the file system. I'm not loving that. Like, I, I know I'll probably be fine, but I can't, it's hard for me to explain up until iOS 5 in particular, how much Goodreader was the thing that made it possible for me to use an iPhone or an iPad for anything serious. It's just, it, it's asinine how much I rely on things like Goodreader or now the syncing inside of iThoughts and stuff like that. You know what I mean? Like, if I had to upload, if I were like a, a person with a job and I had to upload my files through a website to get on a device, like that that's the kind of thing that makes me feel real scary and lossy where I go, okay, I really don't want to go back to the way it used to be to be a Cubs fan. I really don't want to go back. I don't want this stuff. It does work so well. It is so great. I don't know if this is making any sense, but like for me, like I don't want to lose this. I don't want to lose this awesomeness of this little brawn looking thing that I use for a phone sometimes. It's exquisite. And I just worry about the trade-offs that we get for it, for it to stay awesome. Or, you, know what I mean? you know what I mean? I, I think we're a nat- naturally nervous bunch. And it's not we're, not we're not being disloyal to talk about these things. It's, it's just that as somebody who's used the Apple file system happily since 1987, my mind reels a little bit to figure out, as somebody who loves Quicksilver, as somebody who loves Hazel, as somebody who lives in all of these apps that make me more able to do the stuff that I do, I, I, I fear that loss of that functionality. I, I fear that loss of putting my credibility in the company. Do you know what I mean? I think there's all these, I don't know. I don't know if that theory makes sense, but that's my theory. It's interesting because, you know, Apple really does have an uncomfortable amount of control over our computing right now, like our, our computing lives. Um, you know, before you could be an Apple fan and you could, and you could, you could have their stuff, but there was so much else in the world. Like there was, all of Windows, and for a brief period, there was other, you know, little alternatives like BOS, and it's always been Linux as kind of, kind of like, well, we can always, you know, move to the woods, and uh, <laughs> and you know, and and so, but now Apple has so much control in the world of of these things that we keep that we use so much. Um, it's it's going to be difficult, like if they ever, if they do go bad, and if they start doing things that are not compatible with us, or with our needs or our preferences then where do we go from there? You know, yeah, who's going to make, make that device where the hardware and software 
are so seemingly flawlessly integrated. I mean, I, I, I saw a guy at the playground the other day. I, uh, I was there with my kid. He was there with his kid. It's a guy I knew from a few years back. And he pulled up this thing. Um, I, I don't know. It, it looked like something you would serve drinks on in a bar. And I said, oh, what is that? And he said, it's my phone. And he brought it up. And it had like a, like the, 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 the interface looked like something with a sunset. It was very not in my taste. Right. I mean, it's easy. It's easy enough now to make jokes about the size of these phones because they really are ridiculous. And like, I, I don't know. I don't know what I do. I had a G1. I thought it was fun. I understand they've come a long way since then, but I, I don't know what I would do. It's it's pathetic. I mean, at this point, anybody in our audience is free to totally make fun of me right now because I honestly don't know what I would do for a computer. I, I guess I would look at Ubuntu or something. I guess I don't know. Like, what would you do? What would you like for a phone? Like for a mobile device? If you didn't have iOS, what would you do for a mobile device today? Galaxy? I maybe I would just go back to using a, a flip phone again, and then I would get... A dumb, like, a dumb phone, as you call it? <laughs> yeah, maybe I'd go back to using a dumb phone and just have tethering all the time and would just you carry try the, a very small laptop Would you try sort. the Microsoft uh, oh, yeah, Windows maybe I would. 8 phone? I heard, they, 8? I heard that was good. I mean, yeah, I would Windows look at, I would look at that before I, I completely go back to a, to a my StarTech. <laughs> you know, I, I've I've tried Android and I've I've been so disappointed every time. I, I want Android to be good. You know, this is a common misperception about us Apple people. Uh, I want Android to be good because Apple performs well under pressure, mm. and I always want that insurance policy. I want to know that if if Apple starts sucking, that I can go somewhere else. But yeah, my gut tells me they listen to, to the pressure from other companies a lot more than the whining of the people who will buy their products anyway. I think oh, they're sir. much more likely to take that seriously if Windows puts out uh, there's a Windows phone that's really credible looking. I'm feeling so burned right now. I hate to admit this, and I hate to be such an obvious you know cliche, but I, I, I'm feeling a little bit stung by Google right now. I, I, I it's just this is and this is bit. kind of why. Well, yeah, I mean, I it's I, I hate talking about technology, but. <laughs> but you know it's weird. I I all the people like you don't you still use Fastmail, Marco? Um yeah. Yeah, I've I've used Fastmail since like 2005 oh, or something. I was I was using fastmail.fm um in starting in probably about 2001. You know, I've never seen I've never seen a web app. I mean, what I could do with the it wasn't Procmail, but whatever their spam filtering was, we go into the custom text area. You could do all this banana stuff. But like I, I've been on the Google Teat for so long, and I, I hesitated to say this in talking about Apple because I don't want to arouse the the ire. But it, you know, do you remember when it felt like Google was getting ten times awesomer every month? It was it was like oh, oh by yeah, the way, here, most here, of the last decade thing we did. Here's a, here's another thing we did that just made this so much better. Right. right? Look at look at what our unlimited resources can provide to you. Just to the labs, there was yeah. so much great stuff in Google Labs that I I would actually use. I didn't use Google Sets a lot, but it was it was a very interesting demonstration of a company that was working at the height of their powers, you know. Um, and it's just for so long, it just felt like that kept going up and up and up. And I was whatever happy, stupid, blind enough to go. Well, clearly, this will get better. There were certainly there have been points when I thought. I get nervous. You've talked about this, Marco, and specific, specifically, I think you've said this. You get nervous when you can't pay for stuff, right? Right. Like, if it's not clear how this thing's going to stay in business without being creepy towards me, uh, then that makes me nervous. Yeah. And just because of, I mean, like, we've all joked about, you know, like, do you want to trust your business to this thing where, like, suddenly just whole areas of the company just go away sometimes and there's a blog post about it. 
right? Like, I don't, I'm not sure that's, say what you will about Windows, but they've been around for a while, right? And if anything, you can say Windows in this bittersweet way, well, they still support lots of stuff. It's <laughs> to their detriment for sure. But I guess all I'm saying is that for a long time, it just felt like it got better and better and better. You would not have met a bigger Google fan than me. And I, I would try and always find ways to make it work with Google because it did work so well together. And, and, and but to your point, Marco, it's, I always figured all along, you do, you guys do so much awesome stuff. It's, you know, it's impossible for me to imagine that you'll never find a way besides ads to make money. Right. I mean, there was another part of you that said that. I mean, maybe you guys have been smart all along, but I kept thinking you have so many smart people working in this company. I can't, I don't want to believe in a world where a company this smart can only make, can only pay people by Viagra ads. Like that just seems so weird, but you know, and now it, it feels, feels like that's what it turned out to be. And within like a year or even less than a year. And like, I'm, I'm kind of, I'm not sure what to do now. I, I, I feel really like I'm not really, I, I feel, I don't feel super comfortable using Gmail right now. I, I, which seems weird. I, I'm like the hugest fan. And I only mention it in the service of saying like, well, I'm not trying to make Apple and Google, you know, I'm not trying to compare them exactly, but in the same way that I thought, I've always seen Apple going up and up and up. I used to feel the same way about Google. And now I'm so involved in that ecosystem. I'm not sure what to do. I'm not sure I want to want to go back to fast mail. Yeah. And I mean, the problem I, with that is that because you're so involved with that, and this was, this was part of my post about fast mail, it, it doesn't matter that I use fast mail. It matters that I use IMAP. And if fast mail starts to suck, I can go set up a different IMAP host or I can host my own IMAP stuff on a server somewhere. Right. And so I have insurance against this one provider starting to suck. With Gmail, you don't because it's so different from everything else. You build all of your habits and your preferences so tightly tied to that that right now, even though you're pretty upset with Google for very good reasons, it's going to be very, very difficult for you to stop using Gmail. That's, my, that's absolutely my point. And, and the calendar. And, but Dan, this, you run your business on this thing, right? Uh, less and less. I mean, to be honest, I'm moving. Uh, and this is this is the weird thing is, you know, we were just talking about Marco and I talked about path earlier on, on our show today. I talked about it with John Gruber uh, earlier in the week. And you tweeted about it as succinctly as anybody that I've seen, uh, which is to say that, you know, there is a privacy issue. Um, they take your address book and they or they did and they have it. Uh, Google has tons. Google has so much more. I mean, and I've, I've read so many articles about this. Think about what Google has. I mean, every, it, typically once you sign in, it knows who you are. So it's got all of your searches. It's got now your, your email. If you use Gmail or Google apps, it's got calendars, it's got everything. And it, there's so much that it knows. There's so much that they know now we're, and, and how much of that do typically do you pay for? Nothing. Now, uh, yes, we can talk about the cost of being a user and all that. So you are paying. And that's my point is that you're not paying cash every month, but you are paying by giving them access to so much of your stuff and less and less and less. uh, Am am I comfortable with that? Now I'm not, you know, I don't, it's not like I have things that I want to hide, but Mm -hmm. I, I just, I'm more and more, the more that I am uh, uh, thinking like a business person, I guess the less comfortable I really am having not, not paying for that stuff. Does that make sense? Like fa- fast mail, I've, Marco, I've actually been looking at that. I didn't know you were using that. Um, 
you know, I've been looking at things like that so that I can pay for them. It's not like I want to throw money away, but I want to pay so that I know exactly what I'm getting and exactly what they're doing. And so that my relationship with the company that's providing me with a service that I use and rely on, that relationship is clearly defined. And I know exactly what that relationship is because I'm the one defining it. And if I don't like it, I can stop paying for it. And I know that there's an end to it that I'm I'm in control of that relationship to some degree. Whereas, what's my relationship with Google? I really don't know. I mean, yeah, I use them for search, but they've got all this other stuff going on. And you know, I mean, there's nothing. I I rely on the email. If I don't get an email, maybe that's uh, you know, John Syracuse is saying he can't do a show. Maybe it's a sponsor that wants to to give us some money to do a show. You know, maybe it's uh, maybe it's my mom who's saying happy birthday. It doesn't matter. I want to know that that service is there. Now, if Google or Gmail, Google apps for my domain, if it goes down, what do I do about that? Nothing. I hope it, hope it comes back. You know, I want, I want a more professional relationship. I'm sorry. Setting aside like the capriciousness, you hear these stories about people who suddenly they're, 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 I mean, I, I don't know if this is just urban myths, but I feel like I hear a lot of stories of people where on the one end, suddenly there, I read a blog post from a very credible seeming person the other day saying his AdSense account was shut down for basically no reason. His right. appeal was denied for no reason. And I've heard more than a handful of stories about people where they just go in one day. Well, the, the classic is like your Gmail account gets compromised. I don't know if you've right. heard this story, but, and you have, and you, the, you go to the quote unquote support for having that compromised. And, your account might just kind of go away, which if you think about it is, is a pretty harrowing idea. It's a very Brazil sort of idea to not know who to call for everything that's in Google. Um, and uh, Most of you know this already, but I'm going to say it again because it, it always bears repeating. If, if you have your Google password handy, go to google.com slash dashboard and log in um, and so then sit down because that's the page <laughs> where I'll just, if you have a minute, just go ahead and go to google.com slash dashboard. And I'll, I'll wait. But, but here's the other thing, Dan. You guys, you guys brought up something really interesting on the show the other day. I'm talking about Path with uh, Gruber, which is, you know, there's so, like you said it, you said it, you know, and unusually, like, you're like, there's, there's so many things wrong with this. It's the sending it without telling me. It's the sending it encrypted. Yeah. I, and, and you said, like, did it, did it send the notes field, too? I'm assuming, you know? I think, it's, you know, it's in everything. And who knew well, that? Yeah. Who knew? My CRM, my CRM used to drop in lots of stuff from, I mean, there are lots of applications that use the notes field in novel ways. You could consider it hacky. But it's not only just that all that data is in there, but as you put very succinctly, it is other people's stuff, too. Like I always say in my talks, your, your email is at least half other people's email. Everybody else's email is your email, right? So if you put pencil69 as a password... That you get. Why did dude? Why did you? I told you not to say my password. Sorry, sorry. Pencil sixty nine one. But um, but you know what it is also, Dan. It's like or and Marco. The it's is is if your library your library wants to know what your address is because they need to make sure you live where you say you live, right? The PG and E needs to know your address because they need to know where to make the electric go to and where to send the bill. And your doctor needs to know if there's heart disease in the family because it helps him or her make a sane diagnosis about your health care, right? So. I mean, we can slice and dice that a lot of ways. Yeah, you, you do pay your doctor for the service. Yeah, you hope there's not going to be a breach in the data. Yeah, you hope they take that securely. But there's a, there's, a, there's, a, there's a clear reason why that information would be asked. Do you know what I mean? Like in each, this sounds so obvious, but in each of those cases, there, you get a very 
you either understand the reason for it or you get such a clear value in return for telling your doctor like where you have the bruise that doesn't heal. That's sensitive information that's really good for your doctor to know. My concern at this point is that the scales, whether you pay, whether you don't, the scales have tipped so far right now in terms of what business models people have been able to cobble together that that the, the if you if, for those of you who've gone i hope you've gone to google.com slash dashboard like all that stuff you see right there like is it worth that at this point and 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 why why do you need to have all of that why did i give you all of that but like why do you retain all of that becomes the question right and and do you get that value in return like path would say that you get the value of us easily aggregating all this stuff about who your friends are it makes it easier for you but but I would say you don't need the stuff in that notes field and you should have asked me first. And, and part of this, we can solve part of this by demand here. You know, one of the reasons why so many of these big web startups and Google, of course, is, is the biggest and, and the best one at, at doing this, uh, have offered everything for free is because most people on the web weren't willing or able to pay for things. If you as, as a consumer start supporting paid services, you're voting with your dollars. You're, you know, you're saying, no, I, I will pay for things so that I can see this relationship being simple, so that you don't have to be creative with how you fund your business in order to make me use it. You know, and I don't... You, you we, put that so well. You put that so well on Planet Money, which people should hear about. If you, I don't know if you've linked to it, but you put that so well. It was just yeah. jaw-dropping. It was like, I have a thing. I sell it. People buy it. Next question. <laughs> Right. It's, it's so simple. It's the oldest, well, the, sec- the second oldest business model. And, uh, you know, it, it's, it sounds so weird to people on the web because you're like, well, no, but what do you mean? Like, you, you charge money for something? How, how does that, what? How, do, how does that work? I don't know. And, and by the way, and th- there's a great question uh, from Jen Simmons in the chat room. She says, I'd love to hear as many tips from 5 by 5 hosts on all these shows about this. How to get off Gmail, how to get off Google Docs, you know, how to get off Google, basically. How to get untangled from Google. It's easy. And the, I can share something that I've done for the last couple of weeks. It's been really great. Log out of Google. Yeah. And just don't log in. Yeah. I mean, so if you're using Gmail, this will be a little bit harder for you. Start start small. Put put Gmail into one of those, like, single-service browser app things, whatever those things are called, where you, like, it's not in your main web browser. Log out of Google on your main web browser and don't log back in. Yeah. Bo Williams Bo Williams in the do. chat room is saying, I'd like Dan, or in this case, Marco, to tell me how easy. That's it. It's it's log out. Completely log out. Well, uh, but also then make sure... Don't save cookies. Is, yeah, there's a lot... There, is there not evidence that, that there's still some association after I mean, you logged out? Practice, Did I read that wrong? In practice, Google is still going to be able to track you, and they're still going to build like a virtual profile for who the heck you are, even though you're not logged in. And they can probably tie it to your previous logged in profile and figure out you're the same person. But it's a start mm-hmm. because what it does is it starts reducing how often you use some Google services. Right. And it reduces mm-hmm. Google's certainty that that is indeed still you. And so it, it, it is a start and it is a very big start. And so if you, like, if you have to try something, if you, like I wanted to check my Google Analytics account because I give them all the data about all my websites for free, um, it, which is horrible. Such uh, a great service though. It's yeah. so good. But you know what? I mean, there, there are, for every single one of the things that we uh, use or, or used to use for Google, there is an excellent alternative. And I'm not saying that it's free and I'm saying let's, let's not pay attention to the free but ones. That's, that's the problem is that, is that people is want free, long- right? 
Like, well, no. Here's the thing. I no, no, no. I'm sorry. I don't mean it that way. But like, like fast mail. The reason, one of the reasons that I, I so happily went from fast mail. This is nothing against fast mail, but at the time, the spam was just over the top on fast mail. It was really, really getting bad. And I was coming up with some real Rube Goldberg stuff. You know me. I'm not the not the smartest guy when it comes to using pipes. But I, I had come up with some pretty wild stuff. Um, and, uh, you know, I've done some similar things uh, with the help of people like Gina Trapani to deal with, like, you know, press release stuff. I've done that in Gmail. But the thing is, at the time, I mean, there's, there's a couple things to, to mention in passing about pay services. First of all, just because it's a pay service does not mean you can trust them. I know you're not saying that, but let's really clarify that. Oh, yeah, what, definitely. What, what, has made, what made Gmail in particular and later all these other ones, Reader, I mean, it's funny how for a lot of people, a lot of the nerds, is Reader is the killer app. That's the one they're going to have a hard time replacing. Never used it. Service. Never used right. It. But I mean, if you listen around, a lot of people will say they that. They do use it. People, everybody seems to like that one a lot. But, but here was the thing. Here's the thing in retrospect, and this is where the crack got uh, dropped in the pipe, was that for a long time, there weren't any paying services that were anywhere near as good. Correct. Got That's good a great fast. point. And there's there's just a butt ton of times I've been I've been ruefully that I've ruefully announced how pathetic it is that Apple Mail.app has sat there for so long while Gmail's adding all this great stuff and extensibility and all these things in the labs and the you know key commands you know for the longest time people say I don't understand why don't you use Mail.app and I'd say are you using Mail Acton and Mail Tags and they go well of course and I go well that's part of it. Is is I'm going to sit here with a soldering iron and a and a and a bolt like trying to fix this app when when Google's lapping them over and over and over. So I just want to make the case that first of all, yes, there are things you can buy. Uh, I don't think there's anywhere near the kind of clear winner as Google because Google has been in the quality of some of those apps, even if you pay a lot. Do you know, well, and you know another I mean? thing, Merlin, is is the integration between all of these different things that you can yeah, sign. Dropping in an invitation yeah. in, a, in, a, in a Gmail. It so. just works. You know, Google Calendar talks to Gmail, which talks to this, that, and the other thing. They're all integrated. There's one line in, login, and, and you're all in. You lose that if you go with FastMail for Mail and Basecamp for your, you know, calendaring and writing, write boards. And, and in other words, those are all good solutions, but you lose some of the convenience of saying everything is in one place. Uh, one login and everything just just works. I mean, even even what we use FeedBurner. But I'll tell you another way to do this. If you're worried about cookies and things like that, create a dummy account that maybe I'm not saying don't use your real name, but I'm saying create a dummy account and sign in with that, and don't don't keep anything you care about uh, there. Make it hmm. a public account. Think of it as something that you could, if you gave away the password to it, nothing anybody would find would be troubling to you. You know, that's the what I call the Stallman approach. You know, use something that you think of as public. Use something that if you signed in uh, using a public computer at a library or an airport and walked away with it still logged in, that you could care less what they did with it. Use that when you're browsing and use that when you're on Google. Uh, I mean, it's – but don't have anything that you care about or that's personal or that's private there. That's that's how you have to think of it if you want to. I'm not telling people that you need to go do this. I'm saying this is this is how you step away. This is how you disconnect from, from Google if, I mean, if you're me, concerned about it. It's been a lot, like I, a lot like the way I've disconnected from Flash, which is to segregate it into its own dedicated browser. Right. So I use Chrome. Conveniently, I use Google's browser for that, um, which I also don't trust. <laughs> right, the browser you, don't, you don't like, right? <laughs> I, Chrome is actually a very good browser, but it, it's, I, I happen to like Safari a little bit better most of the time. And it's great. What I do is I simply, you know, I have... Uh, Safari is my clean browser. I'm logged out of Google, and it doesn't have Flash. And then if I have to, you know, use anything that has these things, 
I have to force myself to launch Chrome and go, you know, go to the Google site that requires a login or or launch to Flash video or something, and then I close Chrome. And and because that's such a process, I end up doing those things a little bit less, and uh, you know, I'm slowly weaning myself off of the need for those things. And it also stays out of my main clean browsing experience. Our last sponsor today, Shopify.com. Everything you need to open an online store. It doesn't matter what you want to sell. You can sell it with Shopify. You get your own online store. You can accept credit cards. You can use your own domain if you want. And customize your store's design. Make it look just like your website. Or you can have it look like anything, anything else that you want. Use their templates. Make your own. And they host everything for you. And they make it super easy to do it. Normally, you get a month to try these guys out for free. But if you use the coupon code 5 by 5 at Shopify.com, you get three months for free. So go there and sell something today. Shopify.com. Is it, is it worth distinguishing between... Is it, is it too funny a distinction to, to, to distinguish between not Google versus running everything yourself? Because, because I mean, is there a case to be made for saying like, are, are we implicitly like, are we missing the fact that Apple offers a lot of this stuff now, right? You know what I mean? You, you can get email with them, you can get the calendar stuff with them, right? I mean, there's so many of these things that Apple offers. I mean, is it what would you advise people? Would you advise go roll your own on all of this, or would you trust Apple with this stuff? I mean, I personally, I trust. I would trust Apple with you know, things like calendaring, I would trust them with email. And again, because my relationship, uh, with, with Apple is a, a one where they are providing a service. I'm paying for that service. I know exactly. Well, I, at least I believe that I know exactly what that relationship looks like. So I'm comfortable, more comfortable with that. And to be honest, I mean, I have, you know, it's, it's the little things like if you, if you've, if you've been browsing around and then you go to your Gmail, it's going to try to, it's already just, it, it's like, it's just lifting up the carpet just a little so you can see what's really under there, pulling the curtain back a little bit to say, oh, by the way, we know what you've been browsing and looking at, and we're going to show you some ads we think you'll like. And typically the ads are on target based on where you've been, what you've been doing on the web. If you've been searching about, you know, trying to find a lawyer in Austin, uh, you may see something about law services in Austin when you're in there in your Gmail account. And that just shows you they're looking up at everything that you do. Apple doesn't seem to do that. I mean, yeah, if you turn on the genius thing in the music, you can find stuff fine. That's one service and that's an, an opt-in, opt-out kind of a thing. I I prefer to have a, the relationship clearly defined so I, I kind of have a better idea of what they're doing with it. And I have never been solicited other than like getting that once in a while, I'll get that. Um, and I'm not even sure what, like how I got on this list, but I don't mind it once a month or a couple of weeks, I'll get some email from Apple saying, Oh, the, you know, the Valentine's day event is coming up by your, you know, significant other something, you know, and I'll show you like a little, I, I you know, an iPad with a bow on it or something like that. That's the most solicitation I've ever gotten from Apple. I don't get anything in the mail. If they're, if they're tracking what I'm doing uh, when I'm using the web Safari because I logged into something, it's not evident. I'm not saying they're not. I don't think they are. And that's not their business. And it's clear, it's clear to everybody 
that Google is, that is their business. Knowing what we do on the web and how we do it, reading our email, whether it's sharing that or not, just knowing things about us, that is Google's core business. That's not Apple. Apple wants to sell us cool stuff. That's their business. Well, they want to sell us stuff, period. They know they need to make it cool for us to buy it. That's Apple's business. And I would rather do business with the company that's clearly saying, I would like to sell you this thing, and me saying, okay, I'll buy that thing, than going along with a company that's, well, I don't know. Am I, how am I paying for this? I don't really know. But they well, sure the do know a lot is, about me. The problem is, as, as the markets get more intruded into by people who give everything away for free, it's hard for a lot of other options to continue operation, to stay in business. That's another problem. Like if you look at things like some Google products, like web search is a very, very expensive thing to launch and to maintain. Um, so that's why there's not a lot of competition there. Um, hosted webmail, it, you know, fastmail's webmail is terrible. If you, if you're going to use webmail, I say stick with Gmail. Um, but you know, hosted mail, IMAP is very easy to host yourself. Writing your own webmail client that's as good as Gmail really isn't. Wait, wait, you don't like and, a squirrel, squirrel mail app? Oh man, <laughs> right. <laughs> so, <laughs> so you know, that thing was a lot the of bomb. These markets are simply crushed by people offering things for free that are ad supported, and that's part of the problem. And and the other part of the problem is, you know, as you said, like Gmail is able to able to lap mail.app because of you know Google's. Um, focus on it and the, and their their design processes and what they're willing to do and how important it is to them um, you know you, you you have to you have to kind of decide what's more important to you like is it more important to you to keep a certain tool or feature that gmail has or to keep a certain workflow habit using it than it is to to get off of google and and you know to to abandon this company that you don't really trust anymore if it is more important, then you kind of just have to deal with it. And if, if no other alternative contains that feature or the way or does things the way you like, you just got to deal with it and you have to go without those things or change, change your habits or change your preferences. Or you got to say, all right, well, I guess I, I accept this and I'll stick with this company I don't like. That's part of the problem with using these like non-standard things that have no real alternatives is because you lock yourself into that, into that very kind of crappy choice between a rock and a hard place. Like either I do mm-hmm. something uncomfortable or I, or I keep, you know, losing my dignity to this company. Well, I mean, uh, a lot of people are going to say, <laughs> like Dan, people who are listening though, I may might look at you in particular, Marco, or really look at all of us, but you in particular and say, well, you know, sauce for the gander, you're developing <laughs> your whole, your whole business is based upon this locked in environment where, you know, you don't even control your own destiny. You're, you know, certainly it's not like the Amazon store. You've talked about the, did you say on the Amazon store, they can like change the price of your app? They can and do. <laughs> they can even, they can change your description. <laughs> they they can add features to your description that you don't actually have. But in the same way as Dan, and I think we've all done this at one time or another, done that game of saying, oh my gosh, what if future me saw this? You know, what, what if I knew like how much cool stuff I could have in, in my pocket? Mm. Um, what if what if future you went back though and also explained like how sandboxing and the app submitting process would work? Would that would that seem crazy? 
I mean, oh, yeah. even if and you knew how me, cool this... the iPhone was, would it's, I mean, I guess what I'm trying to get, there's a thing that, there's a question that I think somebody could very reasonably ask. And I, I may be asking this, but I'm not sure. But like, you know, our, my panties are in a wad about Google and a boohoo for me because I've used all this Gmail stuff. Well, you know, do I, do I have to become Richard Stallman in order to be responsible? Do I, do I have to go like go to the BIOS store in order to have all this stuff and run it on my own server behind seven proxies? Like, what is enough? Is it enough? That, you know, maybe I'm repeating my original question, but is it enough to just get off Google? Do, is it okay to what 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 can you trust? I mean, they got your PayPal data in, inside uh, the Apple stuff. We trust them, but you know, why do we we trust them because they're not Google because they don't sell stuff against that? But you know what I mean? Like, where, where do the turtles stop stacking in this? Do you, I mean, how far do you have to go? Are we going to? I mean, be again, same- I I think it's a continuum. I I think it's not necessarily like you're either putting up with with uh, big company bullshit or not. Uh, I I think it's you know Richard Stallman is is the not end of the continuum <laughs> where he's totally in the woods, <laughs> and then like I admire he, that though. His thing on the setup was really admirable though, don't you think? Right. That's almost, that's it was almost baleful. Said, like, <laughs> you know, like to him that like his his ideology of of what he wants to support and what he wants to use is the most important thing to him. And he's willing to give up a lot in order to maintain that to the degree that, that, he, that he wants to maintain it. Uh, that's, you know, that, that takes balls. And, and it's very inconvenient a lot of the time, I can imagine. And, you know, that, that's a, an admirable level of willpower. And, you wait, know, wait, so... Wait, sorry, sorry, go ahead. In, you know, in, our, in, in my case of, you know, or in our case of, of depending on Apple a lot, you know, in my case, for my business, I depend on Apple a lot. Um, it does make me really nervous. It really does. I I have a remarkably undiversified income stream, and and that makes me very nervous. Um, although I guess it's probably worse if you have a job. But uh, you know, it, it's it's about you know the the post I made called bull a while ago. Uh, it it's about whose bull you're going to tolerate. And in my case, I kind of get Apple's bullshit. I I can I can recognize it, I can predict it usually, and I can generally guess what they're going to do that I'm not going to like. And for most of the decisions that they make that I'm not okay with, or that that I'm not that I'm not going to like, I deal with them, and I know how to deal with them. I know, you know, again, I, I can predict them, so I kind of know what's coming. So you know, in the case of you know the app store being closed. That was a big shock to me in 2008 when it launched, but then it became just this is how it is, and I and so I've been treating it that way. I've been treating it as this income could disappear at any moment, and you know I, I've accepted that bull from them. The problem is when when companies radically change. Like I think what's thrown people off with Google recently is that. They they had this whole ethos of being geek friendly. We don't do evil, or we aren't evil. We can do evil, but we don't have to be evil. Um, you know all this stuff, and then and now we're seeing kind of that chipping away when when they're losing, and we're seeing oh wait a minute, like when you know when when they're when they're not doing so well in a market, they're willing to do quite a bit that they would have previously <laughs> considered evil or that we consider evil. Um, that's that's what I don't like about about them is that. You know, Apple's bull I can predict and I can see where they're coming from and, and it kind of makes sense and, and they seem at least consistent in the types of bull that they, that they, that they lay on us. Google doesn't and, and that, hmm. I can't predict Google. They, they don't seem consistent 
at all, especially recently. And they do things that are more offensive to me than what Apple does. I think that's the difference. And so I've chosen that I will tolerate Apple because the, the stuff about them that I don't like isn't necessarily stuff that I find offensive. It's just stuff I don't like. Like, yeah, I would love it if I could publish updates to my app instantly. In reality, I can't, and I deal with that, and I'm okay with it. I don't consider that like a morally offensive thing. Mm-hmm. What Google does, I, often I do consider it a morally offensive thing. There's a, Somebody had a good post a few years back, <clears throat> several years back probably now, about... Uh, uh, a lot of people have talked about this. How there's kind of two internets, at least, right? There's 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 this internet of people who get all the pop-ups and the pop-unders and the X10s. Remember those? Uh, and then there's, there's all these people that at the time I would say would, I would describe as Firefox people, which which uh, amongst which I would count myself, right? Where I've got all this stuff running, I can turn, I know what I'm doing. Like right here, I'm sitting here in Google Chrome, and I have this thing called Select Out. Have you ever seen this? The Select Out plugin lets you go in and it automatically deletes tracking from all these different advertising places. And it, just, it does that in the background. It just takes care. That's just the thing I do. I have a thing that forces SSL in, in, uh, wherever possible and in whitelists or blacklists based on, you know, there's like little dumb things you do when you're a nerd and you think about this stuff. But it really does become like a, like a different, more privileged level in the hotel. Let's put it that way. And uh, I haven't thought this out, but I'm going to say it anyway. Um, I, I wonder if we're approaching something similar where there once was the web there was a web full of people who were sitting there on AOL or sitting there in their, you know, Windows, Windows 5, Windows, uh, sorry, Internet Explorer 5 or 6, <laughs> wondering why pages look the way they did. Um, and then there's us fancy guys, right? And so today, us fancy guys can afford to move our stuff off of Google that's to a non-free service. And we've got our information phone, which is kind of costly, and, uh, but a little bit more secure maybe right? There's all these things. But then there's this other economy that's, I don't, I don't know, I don't really understand quite enough uh, for, for like every bit of this, but it strikes me that with Android and the Google ecosystem, you've got this Polaroid, more Polaroidish model, right? If you have this very inexpensive, relatively inexpensive phone, you may or may not need a big plan with it, but you go in and you get this phone that's pretty affordable and does a lot of cool stuff, much like a Gmail account in 2005. Mm. I mean, is there a possibility that there is, and forgive me if this has already been discussed at length, but uh, could there be two really different economies emerging here to, to the point of what groups would say about, hey, there's plenty of room for everybody to have products in this market. Is that possibly what we're facing at this point? At least two very different markets. There's going to be a whole bunch of people who can afford to buy an iPhone in the Apple lifestyle. And there may be a lot of people who are using Android phones and like the fact that everything works together. When I got my G1, I love the fact that all my stuff was on there. I thought it was amazing, but... Is is that? Do you think that's coming? And is it a good or bad thing? Well, hasn't that kind of always been the case? Like, I I don't think it ever really went away. That I think that's the big difference here. Like, I I don't think, and I mean, you can apply this to to general life as well, and, and so many so many things in life about how how there's like this this underclass of really inferior or or predatory systems or products or services um, that 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 kind of prey on oh, the like poor and everything else. kind of thing. Yeah, that's a, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, uh, this has always existed in, in, you know, in the real world. I think in the computer world, which I still think of as not the real world for some reason, uh, in, in the computer <laughs> world, uh, I, I feel like that's always been there. Like, as you said, like, you know, back with crappy browsers and, you know, ad toolbars and spyware and all sorts and Windows. I mean, all sorts of crap. Um, that's always been there. And I don't think it ever really 
went away and I don't think it ever will go away. It, it's such a big world of, of customers and products and cultures and, and income levels and interests and preferences. Uh, I, I don't think that will ever go away. Well, on that note. Wikipedia? We. <laughs> wow. It's depressing. How come every show I do with you, Marco, always winds down into like a depressing? Like the last two or three shows have all been Everyone? so depressing. Well, the last couple. Very sad. I'm a generally happy person. I know. I that's why mm-hmm. I can't figure it out. You're like super happy. It's almost uh, unreal. Your house is very well heated. <laughs> Sometimes a little too well heated. <laughs> Thank you for doing this with us, Dan. Yeah, this was great. So this maybe, great. you know, maybe we I'm do. I'm so sorry, John. I'm sorry, too. I'm sorry. To, you know what? I'm literally <laughs> sorry to everybody. Yeah. We got we to gotta have a two hour after dark where I can apologize to everyone. All right. We'll start that now. So everybody, thank you for tuning in to this special episode. Uh, thanks to John Syracuse for not doing a show today so that we could <laughs> have this fun. And uh, maybe, you know what? Maybe this is the beginning of the morning zoo, the five by five morning zoo starts here format has been laid down the gauntlet has been laid down so thanks everybody you can check out some of the other specials that we've done 5x5.tv slash specials and of course all the shows that uh, that we do here back to work 5x5.tv slash b2w is the show that merlin and i do and then marco and i do a show called build and analyze same thing build analyze is the url there and we'll have all those in the show notes so go check it out thanks everybody for tuning in